What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 87. It is the Sidney Crosby episode. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am a huge Sidney Crosby fan. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller. And he's rocking his Blackhawks hat, rocking that little Ofer streak that they're on right now. Frank, how you doing? Good. I could tell you're not at home or you have a different background. I have a different background. I am at the wonderful Christmas Mountain, Wisconsin, having a little Thanksgiving getaway from all the BS that goes on in Chicago, Illinois. I'm happy to be on the road. How about you? Well, I'm not on the road, but I'm still happy to be at home and, you know, I'm ready for a great show. Absolutely. And I figured it was kind of the perfect week to be away, just kind of chilling, doing my work, a little home away from home. I had a feeling I might be going to a game on Friday. And this game on Friday is between the University of Michigan and the University of Wisconsin. Now, I'm a huge college hockey fan. I love college hockey. They've pumped out more NHLers in the last 10 years, probably, than the last 20 that came before. That's just my guess based on how it's gone. And there have been some elite game changers to come out of college. So I figured I'd bring in a legitimate hockey expert covering the University of Michigan. We are bringing in Drew Van Dries. Drew, how we doing? How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. Very good. Um, I was worried about messing up your name the whole time. <laughs> good, honestly, well done. I've heard it all, though. I've heard every pronunciation, so it wouldn't have mattered. I would have been on. Oh, me too. Me too. I, I deal with the same thing all the time. Frank, you probably don't deal with that too much, do you? People probably spot on your name. Every Not time. my last name. What are they? His last name is Mueller, Drew, like Peter Mueller. They say Mueller. It's all Mueller. American. But yeah, at this point, you respond, right? You, you get what they're doing. Yeah, it, it, it's fine. And by the way, Drew, if you want, you could add your social media handle next to your name. Oh, totally. Um, Vin, it's very easy. Just my name, so. What's up, Frank? Are you there? You're a little frozen. I said you could walk him through it because I forgot how you oh, do yeah, it. Oh, yeah, you hit you hit the three dots on the bottom left. Where, I love yeah. it. He's a pro. He know he knows where. He, knows he also where. didn't send it to period one, but that's fine. No, okay, fine. Let's go on over to period number one. Oh, I, all right. <laughs> if you can't tell, Drew, we are perfectly on spot professionals here. So, Drew, Absolutely. we can't thank you so much for coming on. Um, so, let's start with the University of Michigan. Obviously, people who are watching this know they know I'm a huge New Jersey Devils fan, and I cover New Jersey for the Fan Sided Network, and. Very excited about what's going on with this team. They're 19-4-2. It's incredible. And the best part about it is their number one prospect isn't even up with them yet. And he, they're going to add him to this roster in short order. So what have you seen from the great Luke Hughes so far this season? Yeah, he's such a special player. And it's, you know, after last year, it was it was interesting to, to when you get a, a player of that caliber back for a second year. There's always a little bit of, you know, obviously excitement, but also he's coming back for a reason, you know, I think to develop, uh, you know, in this case, a little bit more of a defensive game. And, and so far, you know, obviously I'm not exactly uh, privy to, to what he's thinking at this point, but back for a second year when you're that talented, it's probably for a reason again. So he's been really good. He's been uh, at this point, he's got, I think, like 14 points through uh, 16 games. So the offense has been there. It's certainly much less flashy than it was last year, but we're only 16 games in. So I, I do think we're going to start seeing him to, uh, you know, start to explode a little bit after last year, he, he, you come to expect great things from him and um, you know, a steady defensive game has certainly been there, but you still expect those highlight real plays that are coming. Yeah. You know, 16 games. in, like you said, they're 10, five and one ranked fifth. 
it's got to feel pretty good as a Michigan fan. However, when they're not playing in their conference, they're a very good team. Yeah, and this year, non-conference, man, it's been awesome. Oh, absolutely. But in conference, they're only two and four. What's yeah. the problem here? What's the what's the deal? You know, I, I not to pull out the excuse train here by any means, but it's really a, it's it's one of those things where so far it's been early, and, and you're excited to see these teams a second time. You know, I think they went to Penn State early on, didn't have Eric Portillo in net, so Noah West stepped up. Those were his first two starts for Michigan, so it was a big, I think, a test for the team to sort of rally around Westy, and and they did a good job. They uh, split there against a really good Penn State team, and that arena is is crazy. So kudos to them for that, but. You know, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, you, you can be as excited as you want about a team, but at the end of the day, the results are there, right? So started out two and four, I think this weekend going up against Wisconsin, who similarly desperate, you know, they started out 0-6 in the Big Ten. So it's it's going to be a great weekend, and, and you hope, as someone who's very biased, you know, towards uh, towards the, the long-run success of Michigan, I think they're going to figure it out. I think they're going to put it together, and you're going to start to see that non-conference success, I think, sort of bleed into the conference uh, schedule as they now, again, this weekend with Wisconsin's a great test, but to end the first half with Michigan State's going to be a blast. Yeah, that's certainly going to be fun. And when you think of New Jersey Devils prospects playing for Michigan, obviously Luke Hughes comes to everybody's mind, but a guy who has kind of been – rising a little bit in the ranks and New Jersey certainly loves him from what I've been told. And he's jumped up the rankings and ju- even jumped some people that were ranked higher than him in his own draft class drafted by other teams in the NHL or just within the New Jersey devils organization. He's already near the top ahead of some first round picks. Of course, I'm talking about Seamus Casey. What have you made of his game so far this season? You know, it's funny. I mentioned the difference in Luke's game from year to year. And last year, I think he was shocking us with, with some of the things he was pulling off. This year, he's fine-tuning those details. Seamus is is in year one. You know, he's he's it's that same sort of – some of the skating that he pulls off. I mean, I, I'm not able to watch as much NTDP as I would like with, with as much talent as they have there. But seeing a little bit of Seamus Casey last year, you knew you were getting an incredible skater, an incredibly smooth skater, and someone who's really confident. But – Man, I, I I continue to be impressed. Honestly, he's this is a class with Adam Fantilli and Gavin Brindley, these pretty big names, right? And I tell you what, there's some games where Seamus Casey is the one who's really wowing you. And so, if I'm a Devils fan, of course Luke Hughes, like you said, I'm expecting him at the end of the year, right, to join the lineup and be contributing. But Seamus Casey is is truly, I would say, wowing us a little bit more than Luke maybe this year. Um, but I do, again, I expect Luke to really, really come into into, into shape for the second half. Uh, but Seamus has been awesome, man. The skating, the offensive prowess. I mean, he he's a really, really fun player. If I was a Devils fan, I'd be thrilled about him. Drew, correct me if I'm wrong, but the game that Vinny's going to go to against Wisconsin is the first game against an unranked opponent in over a year. Does this kind of feel like a letdown spot situation for Wisconsin? Because we, we know how some teams could overlook these type of teams and just kind of think it's just you got it in the bag, you know, when they have bigger and brighter opponents on their schedule. Yeah, Michigan's – I think it's 10 straight games that they played against teams that are are tough-ranked teams, you know. But I will say it's Wisconsin. And, and just being, you know, around Michigan hockey for about a decade now, Wisconsin series is always insane. They're They're – for whatever reason, I wouldn't say Wisconsin is a main rival of Michigan, but they get up to play each other. It's two traditional programs that are we're always excited to play. So it's going to be a good weekend, and I will say as much of a letdown as maybe uh, you know you could always be worried about, 
again, I think the fact that it's Wisconsin, you go to the Kohl Center, you start to maybe remember some of the years where Wisconsin was really good and how they're able to give it to, to other teams. So I think you always want to pay back a team like Wisconsin. It's something we've seen in years where Michigan is down. Teams are not thinking about that year. They're thinking about just in general what Michigan means to college hockey. So I think it's the same with Wisconsin. Absolutely. And we have our buddy in the chat, Skokes, who was, was wondering if you could provide an update for Frank Nazar, obviously a Chicago Blackhawks draft pick. We're a Chicago based podcast. A lot of people are interested in this kid and what he's going to be able to bring to the team one day. Yeah, I, I've been incredibly impressed with Frankie just as, you know, obviously haven't been able to see him on the ice yet, which is a huge bummer. But after over the summer watching him at the National Junior Eval Camp and he just carries himself like a pro. And, and to think that these kids, again, are 18, it's just insane what, what they go through. So as far as I know, he's going to be back in the winter, hopefully. I, I had heard something like February. Again, don't take it from me. So we'll have to keep looking for updates there, and hopefully he gets back sooner. But I do think that World Juniors has sort of been, I don't want to say ruled out, but it seems as though he's not going to be back for that, which is is really too bad. But I, I think this is a guy that when you look at it from an NHL perspective, this is kind of hopefully a trade deadline acquisition that the team's going to be able to to count on late in the year, maybe, that benefit of adding Nazar to the, to the team. So he's, I mean, I shouldn't say add to the team either. He's, he's been there. He's there day to day working out with the guys and, and, and certainly being a part of things. But when you're a player of that caliber, I, I can't imagine how much it's killing him to not be out there. So certainly excited to have him, you know, back. And, and you mentioned Michigan's ranked fifth right now without a guy like Frankie Nazar in the lineup is, is pretty impressive. And uh, maybe Frankie's absence has given Seamus a little room to shine, but uh, I don't know. I think we're excited to have him back. Um, yeah, you know, it's also pretty interesting because right now Michigan has got an interim head coach, Brandon Narado, I think is yep. how you say his name, Narado. Mm -hmm. Um, what have you liked from him so far? Like, do you think he keeps the, the job? Do you not like what he's doing right now? Or what, what's your opinion? Yeah, you know, I'm uh, again, the whole conversation really should come with the caveat that I'm very biased towards towards pulling for Michigan, going for the good things, right, for the maize and blue. Uh, and that's the benefit of being able to sort of follow this as a hobby and really just support the program. But from from my point of view, from outside the program, I think he's done an incredible job. And 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 honestly, I we talk about, you know, the the overall situation that he sort of walked into, you know, a ton of talent, but a crazy offseason and a an investigation and, and just a lot of things that are, are far beyond hockey, right? We're going on with the program. So it, it, I think he came in and, and has genuinely been a breath of fresh air. I, you always sort of have that, you know, okay, guys are going to say good things to the media, right? They're going to say X, Y, Z, but you hear the way the players talk about the, the impact that he's made on their day-to-day -day lives. And it's really been pretty impressive. You know, I was uh, fortunate enough to work with uh, coach Berenson when, when, when he was uh, running the Michigan hockey program. And just to, to hear the, the, the way that the guys talk about coach Nerado, it's, it's really, I think it's, it shows how much of a new generation this is the way that they are connected to him and, and really look forward on a day-to-day -day basis of going in and working with him. Um, you know, Coach Berenson was incredible and, and, and hopefully he's joining the Hall of Fame in the next few years. But uh, at the same time, it's just, again, a different generation in the ways that they're connecting with the guys. So I think the staff has, has been doing a phenomenal job. The fact that they're still finding a way to, to recruit top talent to, to U of M with an interim tag, hopefully maybe that goes to show something's going right. But, uh, you know, I think it's definitely you would hope that, um, you know, should he earn it, he's going to get that promotion to the full time gig and then the success will follow, right? The recruits are, I, I have to imagine a little bit curious just to see how that pans out. Uh, but so far so good. And, and we've really landed a couple really big prospects recently. 
For sure. And one of the people not I don't know if you would say leading the way, they're just one of the one of the guys on the team, but they're making headlines because of what the hope is for them come June. Um, sure. Of course, I'm talking about Adam Fantilli, and everybody knows that Connor Bedard is supposed to be the number one overall pick in the NHL entry draft. Right. But there are people, whether anyone wants to believe it or not, there are people out there that believe that Fantilli, although a completely different kind of player, deserves to be the number one overall pick. Chances are he'll be the number two overall pick. But what have you seen from Fantilli this season, and where do you kind of lie on the whole thing? I understand the whole bias thing, and I kind of right. respect it. Hey man, I think it even maybe it makes this even more meaningful. Then I think Fantilli is is incredible, and and he's really I think exceeded any expectations I could have had honestly. And and so with that said, I still don't see how you, you knock off Bedard from number one, you know. And I think it's funny that Adam is is incredibly smart the way he's taking it. You know, he's he's focusing on where his feet are, and I respect that. But at the same time, I think back to the McDavid Eichel draft, and and it didn't say anything. It didn't make Eichel any less, right, that he went second. So He's a superstar. He's a superstar, exactly. So I, I think going forward, even if Fantilli, you know, knock on wood, if he if he is as blessed as, as he is to go two, they're going to be so incredibly happy to have him. And, and you know, I think in the long run, I, I, I respect the people putting their, their uh, pride on the line and saying that they think he's going to have the better career. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, honest to goodness, he's – year by year he continues to blow expectations out of the water so it's someone is going to be thrilled to get Connor Bedard and someone is going to be thrilled that the decision was made for them probably at number two to be able to just hopefully take Fantilli or maybe a Leo Carlson so I'm huge on the Fantilli train I think he if you take him at number one you're not going to regret it but at the same time I understand Connor Bedard's Connor Bedard so we'll see what happens at the World Juniors though when they're on the same team Adam Fantilli has been fantastic this year. He has 25 points in 14 Fantilli-tastic. Years. He's been Fantilli-tastic. Someone's going to go silly for Fantilli. We just got to see who it's going to be. I, I mean, honestly, what he's doing oh, is I incredible. It. I think he goes number two hands down, right? I, I'd be shocked if he went anything less than two. Because, I mean, there is a chance you never know he goes three. I doubt it. I really doubt it, especially because what we've seen from him and we know what he's capable of and all that. Another guy on the team, um, Mackie Samuskevich, he's also been pretty fantastic. Um, him and Fantilli have been leading this way, the leading the way for this Michigan team. But is there anybody else on the team that not a lot of people talk about who is like a little bit under the radar that you're impressed with? Absolutely. And, I, and, and, you know, I think especially knowing that how many people listening to this are sort of NHL fans, I think two people to sort of keep an eye on are Gavin Brindley and TJ Hughes and very different paths. Gavin Brindley is – and. I should have known this coming in. One of the youngest players in college hockey. He's very, very young. Uh, he's a draft eligible forward this year. And and he, I've, uh, that's another player. Again, I it, it sounds like after listening to this, I'm, I'm surprised by every player. But Gavin's another one where his motor is just incredible. I mean, it's even in games where maybe he's not, you know, putting up points, he's centering a second line against top competition in college hockey as a, you know, 17, 18 year old. So, Gavin Brindley is going to be someone that I'm watching in the draft this year. I'm, I'm hoping he ends up getting into the first round. Uh, but, if again, that's another one. If he drops past that, someone's going to be ecstatic to get him. So uh, TJ Hughes, the other name, uh, another freshman forward, but kind of took the opposite route. You know, I want to say he's a 20 or 21-year-old freshman. Uh, last year led the, I think, the whole CJHL. Might be wrong on that. Fact check me if so. But he he led the Alberta Junior League uh, for the Brooks Bandits. So he's a phenomenal player, and they both have really – from day one hit the ground running um both pretty you know they're going through their their lumps in college hockey right gavin's had some games where 
um, struggled in the faceoff dot a little bit. But again, this is a guy going up against 23, 24 year old centers. So it's it's been fun to watch him go through a game by game progression. Both these guys really, and and Gavin is going to get drafted. TJ is someone who I think NHL teams have to be watching him as an undrafted guy because. It, it seems like more and more, and you guys know more than anything, it seems like more and more of these guys are really, really talented and teams are able to find some diamonds in the rough with the signing the guys who haven't been drafted. So it's I would watch TJ Hughes and Gavin Brindley, and, and I think you're going to come away impressed every time with just how hard they work. Is there anybody you've seen Michigan play against this season, whether it be – I don't know if Michigan's played Minnesota yet. Yep. but So you saw Logan Cooley, yep. like all these different kinds of great players who are – trying to make it to the NHL were drafted already are going to be drafted at some point. Is there anybody kind of under the radar that you're like, wow, that guy's going to be a stud in the NHL one day? It's a great question. Well done, my friend. I think, uh, you know, I will say we, we just saw Harvard. So not to, you know, see the recency bias at play here, but Henry Thrun, Thrun, maybe defenseman. I think he's a ducks pick. He was fantastic. So definitely had my eye on him. I was really, really impressed by him, but uh, you know, Minnesota is loaded. So anytime you have a Michigan, Minnesota, uh, battle these last few years, it's been a, a joy to watch, you know. So Logan, uh, Logan Cooley's he's incredible. That was a guy that we definitely were hoping uh, would land at Michigan, and 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 when they do pick elsewhere, you know, you you sort of obviously are still pulling for them, you know, pulling for the player. But uh, he actually uh, was suspended the second game of our series recently, so took a penalty in the first game uh, from hitting a guy. I think it was like right after someone scored a goal, got him late. So he sat the second game up in the press box, got a great view of of Yost Ice Arena from up there, but. Uh, there's just, again, there's so much talent on that team. Their defenseman, you know, Brock Faber, who just got traded to the wild as a Minnesota kid, must be juiced about that. Um, they're, they're really deep. So as college hockey, as, as as the season winds on this year, like you said, man, on, on the intro, the amount of talent is just, it's silly. It really is. It's at a, it has to be as at a, at a high point. So, Yeah, I know, Drew, you mentioned early, earlier about Eric Portillo. He's been fantastic. Named the second star of the week. Um, I mean, obviously you got to be ecstatic about what he's been doing for Michigan. How crucial is he to this team? Yeah, he's huge. He really is. And and I don't, I think he's actually about six, six. So maybe I should pick my words very, he's very important. Uh, you know, and, and that's someone who uh, actually on, on Friday, uh, I mentioned Noah West, he got another start against Harvard and, and the guy's got a tie and you have to think for, 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 for a player like Eric Portillo, you want to play every single game. So the fact that there was a start that, you know, was a non-conference game, it maybe was the time to, to give Westy another start after he really earned it against Penn State. But then Portillo comes in and, and, and makes 39 saves on 40 shots on Saturday, and, and it's a 4-1 win, right? So I think there's a little bit of that reminder to everyone that this is hopefully my crease and I'm going to try and take it back. Uh, so it, it's always fun when you have that competition pushing them when you're as talented as, as, as Eric Portillo is to have that extra motivation of, of a reminder that, you know, that there's another goalie here that's really talented. That's gotta be helpful. So I think that that's going to be really big going forward. Now you get back into conference play and it's every game is, is so, so important. Again, that two and four record you mentioned sort of hangs over your head. So got to get those wins stacked up. And, and I think Portillo is going to be massive as they look forward to the second half. When you watch NHL highlights every single day, you can notice that college hockey's impact on the game of the National Hockey League right now is as strong as it ever has been. I mean, we're talking Tage Thompson with Buffalo. 
obviously Quinton Hughes with the Vancouver Canucks, Jack Quinn with the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, Jack Eichel is the superstar. He's probably the best college hockey player active right now, or at least one of them. There are just so many all over the place. Does that get talked about around when you when you cover a team like Michigan or if you're just surround yourself with college hockey? Does it get talked about as much as it possibly probably should? You know, I, th- I think recently it really does. And, and I, I will say I think a lot of the credit probably should go to College Hockey Inc. They've done an incredible job of pushing that that sort of pro uh, pathway mentality. And, and again, it's we've always known, right, that, you know, when, you, when you're with a program like Michigan, you know about the Mike Knubels and Brendan Morrisons and even Red Berenson's, right, like these guys who have had success. But to, to see, the, I think, the pure number now of you've got teams sending three-quarters of their roster to professional careers, like I, I do think that is now being talked about. And, and so I think, again, credit to everyone, whether that's fans, whether that's media personalities, whoever is getting that conversation going, there's just nothing like it, you know, and, and, and maybe major juniors is, is a good route for some folks and, and genuinely like no hard feelings there if it is. But at the same time, just knowing what it's like to, 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 to be around that college hockey lifestyle and, and be around the college lifestyle in general, let's be honest, it's, it, it's very much worthwhile. So I'm glad that college hockey is kind of getting that shine. You look up really any program at this point and, and they're probably sending a couple alumni to the pros. So even the small schools, I love seeing small schools take a ton of pride in the guys that they're sending because it's all the more impressive that they're out there competing against the Michigans, the Minnesotas, the Boston colleges, and they're out there killing it. So that's the beauty of college hockey. I think when you get those small schools, if you will, uh, to be out there on an even playing field. We could to say countless times how talented this Michigan roster is. We've said it a few times already, but this for, or this university has won nine national championships. What do, what do they have to do to get their 10th? That's a great question, man. That's hopefully they're thinking about that every day until, <laughs> until March, you know? And I, I think honestly, it's when you're the youngest team in college hockey, you're immediately going to be going against the, I don't want to say the naysayers, right? But there's almost conventional wisdom that you, you have to have more experience. You have to have X, Y, Z. So I think that, you know, when you're up against that, hopefully it provides a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I think they have experience in the right places. Eric Portillo, we keep talking about, he's a junior at this point, right? They've got a, a fifth-year captain. They've got some upperclassmen who play every single night that have that leadership. At this point, you know, I think if you're Michigan, you're confident about playing your lot with the talent and with the skill and playing our kind of style of hockey. So hopefully they keep kind of grinding. I think it's the Big Ten is honestly even better than I expected it to be. So this year, like there's going to be four, maybe five teams from the conference that probably make the tournament. So at this point, honest to goodness, I think they hopefully they look at it as a every week grow keep learning, get these young guys up to speed. They're hopefully going to be in a good position unless some kind of craziness happens uh, by the end of the year, whether or whether or not they're competing for a regular season championship or not in the Big Ten. I, I At this point, I know two and four, so I shouldn't talk too much, but I do think they're going to end up coming back and making a little bit of a run there. Uh, but it's going to be interesting around tournament time to see kind of where these teams are. And you have to assume Michigan, Minnesota, uh, maybe Penn State, Michigan State, they're going to be there. I'm fairly strongly opinioned that as soon as Michigan is done, whether it be by winning a national title or getting eliminated in the frozen four or whatever it might be, Luke Hughes is going to sign his contract with the devils and probably suit up the next game. Do you share that opinion with me? And do you think he has a chance to play throughout the postseason? Kind of reminiscent of when Tory Krug left Michigan state, joined the Bruins, went all the way to the Stanley cup final with them. Those are types of things I think of. I'm not saying the devils are going to go to the final. I hope so. 
but hey, man, you get what I mean. the heater they're on. No, absolutely. And, oh, and yeah. kudos to the guys, you know. So yeah. I, I, I do think it's one of those situations. You never want to pretend like, like, oh, I know this is going to happen, right? But I do think when you look back at the Zach Wierenskis, the um, I'm trying to think, the, the sophomore class, the, the Quinn Hughes, right? When they come back for that Mac second year. Yeah, yeah, Mac, when you come back for the second year, you know what what's happening, right? So that second season ends, there's a pretty darn good chance. Uh, whether it's that day, the next day, it's going to happen. So I'm with you there. I think that after this year, I think he's going to fit in really nicely. I think he and Jack are going to have a time living together out in New Jersey. And and I, it's one of those things, you know, as a fan of the game, you have to be hoping Quinn somehow teams up with him, right? Like you have to hope one day all three are playing together. So we'll see if that ends up happening, but uh, it's, it's going to be a blast to watch. I do think when you look at this team again, that's a guy that season ends, he's probably going to be ready to go. So, Vin, we talked about the Hughes playing together and how that could become a reality and probably will. It's only, it's only possible on one team. <laughs> I know. I, Jack is locked up for eight more years at eight mil. Best contract in the NHL. He'd get 12 on the open market if he was a free agent tomorrow. Uh, Drew, I'm not going <laughs> to go go too much into more. Yeah. To Luke Hughes. I'm going to ask you one. Have you heard like, hey, maybe we could get Quinn? Like, has that ever been mentioned? You know, honestly, nothing more than than just the social media rumors and stuff. And and, and I think in all of our dreams, because again, it's honestly like at the end of the day, this is a game, and and, and it's fun to to follow and talk about stuff like that. I love any chance that brothers and family members, like the fact that we have the Fantillies right now, we had the past jobs recently. It, it's awesome. So anytime the fact that they could do that possibly in the NHL, just Jack and Luke, you know, even is incredible. So I'm I'm all for it, man. I think that there's a ton of support for it in Michigan for the Hughes getting together. Drew, do you follow uh, the Red Wings a lot? Are you a big Red Wings fan? You know, honestly, I mostly follow Michigan guys. I will say I have a little bit of – this is going to break some hearts. I have a little bit of a soft spot for the Leafs, oh. but uh, definitely have been focusing more because of that on the Michigan guys. So I definitely know uh, how that's been going for, for, for really the whole course of my life and the few generations prior. Oh, interesting. So then you're, you're obviously familiar with Marner's 18-game point streak potentially. Is it 17 going for 18? Monster Monster. He's he's unreal. What did you say, Ben? It's 17 going, going for, 18. for 18. And that would tie the record, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy what the Leafs are doing. I always make fun of the Leafs, though, with Vinny because they can't get past the first round. They can't. This is the year. You say that every year. But and then this, there's an excuse the when they get bounced in the first round. Should have worn my Leaf shirt. I wore this because you were a Michigan guy. I thought you would follow the Red Wings a lot. And- I respect it. That's honestly, it's very common. But you know, I will say, any Michigander, like you can't not watch the Red Wings and enjoy right. Mickey Redmond. So I will say, I usually tune in more for story time with Mick. Um, not so much the game. Obviously, I'm pulling for Larkin and Cop, but it's, I mean, it's Mickey Redmond. He's, you know. Kind of oh, that's a, that's a good question to ask. What was that like around campus when Dylan Larkin joined the NHL and oh, this Michigan standout is just a sick player for the Red Wings down the street. From Ann Arbor to Detroit is, what, 45 minutes, something, yeah, something small 45. like that? So, yeah. I, oh, man, Larkin, that, that would be like a kid being sick at Illinois if they were D1 and all of a sudden playing for the Blackhawks or something. Yeah. Like, oh, that's got to be awesome. No, right. I mean, his classmates are are in econ class as sophomores, right? And he's <laughs> playing at at, in, at Joe Lewis Arena. So, it, it, was, it was pretty cool, I will say, especially that was a team where – Michigan was really, really good after he left. So Michigan was killing it. He was killing it as a rookie. It was it was a good time definitely to be a, a Michigan hockey fan back in uh, 15, 16 for sure. 
What happened the other day with Michigan football coming to the Michigan college hockey? Something happened. Yeah. I don't know. Was that before their win against it Ohio was State? After the refs booted them off the ice. Yeah, classic. And hey, God bless those refs. That was that was a tough gig. Uh, so it was after I believe the, the the football team had gotten back from Columbus. So they had just beaten Ohio State, and they the football building shares a parking lot with Yoast. So where their buses would pull in they would sort of pour out of the bus and Yoast is right there on the other side of the parking lot. So my assumption is, I don't know whose idea it was. Kudos to whoever said, Hey, let's walk into Yoast. Like who's going to stop us. But I will say Harbaugh was right, right up front. So it wouldn't shock me with as absurd as he is. Maybe he just led the parade right in there. And I don't know, but it was, I will say it was during the game. And, and I was actually, I was home for Thanksgiving. So a rare time I wasn't at Yoast. So I'm watching this game and you hear, the crowd is starts roaring and like play is, you know, it's like a random neutral zone play. So I don't really know what's happening. And then you start to sort of hear what's happening. The BTN guys figure out why the crowd is freaking out. So then, you know, a harmless shot in, there's a whistle. And I think everyone was kind of in agreement. Like we're just going to let this happen for a couple minutes. And then finally the ref sort of had to uh, step up. So it was a blast. The, it just so happened that it was the media timeout. They were going out to scrape the ice I think Harbaugh saw that as the opportunity to get the boys out on the ice. So they took that opportunity and they just went for it. And it was, it, I will say, it's just one of those days that I think if you're a Michigan student or you're at that game, I have a hard time imagining you're going to forget that, uh, that, that experience. So it's pretty special. I think it just adds to everything that makes Yoast and Michigan special and why you choose to play at a school like Michigan is for moments like that. So it was, it was super special. That's awesome. And I loved seeing it on Twitter and stuff. And, <laughs> Y'all got that sick win over Ohio State at Buckeye Stadium. The shoe. If you take care of your business this week on the Big Ten Championship, you guys will be going to the college football playoff as the one or two seed. I mean, there are people that think there's a chance they jump Georgia if they absolutely destroy the Big Ten Championship and Georgia has this close game against LSU. Like, there's a chance that they're number one. You never know. I'm going to ask you, though, in college hockey – is Michigan's rivalry with Ohio State okay? It might not be on the exact same level because it's not on the national scale as football. But is there a little extra something when Michigan plays Ohio State, even even in hockey? Absolutely, yeah, no doubt about it. Honestly, I you could those two schools. I have a feeling when when their symphonies are at, at you know at, at an event, they're going to want to beat each other. So it's anything where that's Michigan Ohio State, we're going to want to beat them, and and it's it's a blast. I will say. Give some shout-outs here to Michigan State. I honestly think that's probably a bigger hockey rivalry, Michigan-Michigan State, than Michigan-Ohio State. Uh, Michigan-Michigan State is is mean, and, and these guys have played each other their whole lives. It's, it's a ton of fun. Michigan-Ohio State is truly – it's like you put the uniform on and you realize you're playing Ohio State and all the school hatred and the – I shouldn't say hatred, but you know, you know what I mean? Wink, yeah. wink, hatred. Uh, you know, all, all, the, all that other stuff comes rushing in, and you realize how much animosity there is built up. So it's, it's interesting to see the differences between those rivalries. Again, it's about the fourth time I've said this. That's one of those special things about college hockey is the different unique rivalries where the reasons you don't like this team, the reasons you don't like that team. So, Yeah, Denver right now is ranked number one, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're Michigan's biggest threat. Or like, who do you right. think is the biggest threat right now to Michigan? Yeah, well, I mean, it's that's, that's a great question. We'll see – Like. Once the tournament comes around, it, it's such a hilarious anyone anyone who gets in the dance can 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 make that run. But I think you know until the end of the season, it's going to be Michigan Minnesota probably going back and forth. Uh, I think right now they see each other as sort of similar positions, really really talented, really really young, 
and both trying to kind of dominate the Big Ten. So we'll see. I think for the regular season, Minnesota is going to be that thorn in our side. Once the playoffs get here, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. Last year it was, uh, it, it was Denver that we ran into in the Frozen Four. You know, you never know, and that's the fun part about it is, is just kind of not knowing who you're going to end up running into. I would not be shocked at all if we see Harvard down the line. That's a really, really good team. Yeah, and college hockey's been absolutely unbelievable. Um, Frank, do you have anything left for Drew before we let him go? I think he answered all my questions. Absolutely, and Drew, we can't thank you enough for coming Absolutely. on. Is there anything of yours you'd like to promote before you head on out of here? No, man. Hey, college hockey is is some of the best hockey in the world. So I'm obviously, again, a little bit biased, but uh, you know, I really think that anyone who has a chance, you know, whether it's Yoast or or, or some arena elsewhere, get to a game and and, and enjoy all the spirit and, and, and the excitement. Absolutely. We can't thank you enough for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Everybody, make sure you follow Drew Vandries on Twitter, at Drew Vandries, right there on the screen. Nice and easy. Nice and easy, huh? Well, Frankie had to make his difficult with his name. Thank you, Drew. (laughs) Take care. (laughs) Frank, let's send it on over to period number two. You got me rattled from the first period. The whole, the whole show is the whole you, show is thrown off. You know when guest leaves, it goes to period two. No, it's all thrown off because you didn't send it to period one. We had a we had a flaky period one. I'll tell you what, I've done that a couple times with guests in period so, number one. I know, but then the next week or the next time we have a guest, you're like, I'm not going to forget this time. So, listen, mother, I was just pumped to talk some college hockey with Drew Vandries. What did you think of the interview? Well, like Paula says, Paula says he's a nice guy. He's a great guy. You know, I'd love to have this guy back on maybe during the tournament and seeing how well Michigan does. And if Michigan won the national championship, then I think you got to have him back and talk to him about it. And I mean, there's a lot of talent on this team and we discussed a lot of it and they got a lot of good prospects that'll be coming to the NHL and, yeah, I mean, we'll see how their story ends. Absolutely. I hope it ends with Luke Hughes playing for the New Jersey Devils this season in any way, shape, or form. It's possible. Not biased towards Michigan, whether they win or lose, absolutely don't care. I want Luke Hughes on the Devils as fast as possible. What did you take away from the conversation, though? Was there anything that you learned or anything that you were are excited about going forward? I know the Blackhawks have a legitimate chance at Fantilly one day soon. So, like, what are your takeaways? I think it's it's kind of crazy. I guess being a Blackhawks fan more than, you know, just a casual NHL fan, you got to think of it in a different way because there are guys on this team like Fantilli who could be on the Blackhawks. And look at Frank Nazar. He's already uh, was already drafted by the Blackhawks. I mean, the Hawks have a bigger connection to this team that a lot than a lot of people may think. Um, so it's like it's almost becoming a reality. Like the Hawks could get Fantelli, and you see how great he's doing with Michigan right now. Like I said, he has twenty five points in fourteen games, and that's like two less games than most of the players on the team. A lot of the he, he's missed a couple games, and he's just absolutely killing it. And I do believe that the Hawks have a very good chance of getting this guy. That is some Eichel shit, being like a two-point-per-game. Like, Adam Fox did it as a defenseman, and that's why he is what he is in the NHL. But, like, as a forward, that's the elite of the elite. And the Blackhawks probably have the second biggest tie to this team behind the Devils. Devils have three prospects playing for Michigan. Um, But the Blackhawks have Nazar and potentially Fantilli. So, man. And he hasn't even played every game this season. No. So, no. I mean, that's what makes it so spectacular, too. 
Absolutely. So thank you so much to Drew Van Dries for coming on. We'd love to have you back on eventually at some point. Frank, we have some other business to take care of, though. This is episode number 87 of Bar Down Talking Hockey. Of course, 87 is the number that belongs to Mr. Born on August 7th, 8787, the greatest hockey player of his generation, makes $8.7 million because he loves the number 87, which is also Katie's birthday. Shout out, Katie. But Mr. 87 himself, Sidney Crosby. He scored a goal yesterday. He is automatically one of the top five greatest players to ever play in the NHL. And since it's the episode number 87, we're going to talk some Sidney Crosby. What is your overall takeaway from Sidney Crosby at this point in his life? Well, I'm going to surprise you. We're going to bring in Sidney Crosby right now. Let me bring him in. That would be incredible, huh? I mean, <laughs> I think I'd love you like forever, but like in a different way than I already am going to love you forever. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, up into this point in his career, he's he's done a lot that, you know, players dream of accomplishing the the type of stuff that he's accomplished in his career, let alone this year. He's having a fantastic year. Um, I believe what he's got, uh, 31 points, points? 31, 31 points in 23 games. So he's, he's producing Sidney Crosby like numbers with 12 of those being goals. So, I mean, he's still producing at the age of 85 and anytime you got a guy on your team, like Sidney Crosby, it always makes the team a contender. You would say, um, even though, I, I really think the Pittsburgh Penguins have no shot of winning it this year. I kind of changed my tune about that. Um, he had two points yesterday, and they still lost, right? So he's try- He's still pulling his weight around, but the team is just they're, – they're, it doesn't seem like they're built to win anymore. Um, when you get to the playoffs, you know, anything could happen. Right now they're two points in holding the second wild card – second wild – yeah, second wild card spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the problem. Sidney Crosby's pulling his weight. You need other guys – on this team to pull their weight. Because when I look at the third and fourth line, the bottom six with guys like McGinn, Kapanen, you know, polling, those aren't the type of guys that are going to help Sidney Crosby excel and win. I mean, I know he's producing this year and, you know, the stuff that he does is great and the stuff he's done without his career, but, or throughout his career has been great, but those were different teams. And I even think like if he got to the postseason this year, I don't think there's any chance for them to win. I agree. I would rank Sidney Crosby as the fourth greatest player ever. I believe when his career is over, he will eclipse 2,000 points. He's got 15-something right now. Or I think he's got another 400-something points in the tank. I really do. And Evgeny Malkin having a sick year again. Um, you might see Skokes in the chat put prayers up for Latang. Christopher Latang had his second stroke yesterday. That's crazy. Not good news for Christopher Latang and losing a defenseman like that, obviously from a hockey point of view stinks, but at the end of the day, hockey certainly comes second to your health when we're talking about things like strokes. So we hope that Christopher Latang is okay. I do believe Pittsburgh can make the playoffs. It's not a lock. I think they can make the playoffs. I think they would need to make like a significant move. You wonder if they explore something like Eric Carlson. And the trade market or, you know, maybe making a trade for a big time goalie. And then maybe we could start talking about them winning a round or two in the postseason. But as far as Sidney Crosby goes, I mean, he's right there with Wayne Gretzky, right? He's right. Like, I know Wayne Gretzky have, is going to end up with like 
800 more points than Crosby, but I don't care. It was a different time. If Crosby played in the 80s, he'd have 3,000 points. Like, I believe that. He he is just the epitome of what is a great hockey player. And McDavid's the same way. McDavid will be in this conversation 10 years from now as well. But Sidney Crosby, it just every time you watch him, you're like, that's a championship player. That's a guy who can get it done. He's like a mix of Taves and Kane. I know I say that about Hosa, but it's a little bit different. Like how I see it, he's he's as good defensively as Taves, but he's as offensively gifted as Kane. But his style of offense is more towards like Taves. Like he's a superstar grinder. You know, he goes to the front of the net. He battles in corners. McDavid's all speed, all rush, all flair. Crosby scores goals the same way Zach Parisi and Jonathan Taves score goals. He just does it significantly more frequently. And that's why he's one of the greatest players ever. He literally plays hockey the best way. Lost two of years of his career because of the fact of with the concussions, you might remember, when he got hit in the Winter Classic and then essentially missed most of the next two years after that. That was some hard times. But, man, Sidney Crosby's just unbelievable. I loved seeing him get a goal yesterday. If he gets to 2,000 points, we'll no longer be able to say that Gretzky has more assists than anybody else has points. That just won't be true anymore. Uh, we'll see if Crosby's able to have that kind of strong finish, but he's on pace for another 100-point year in his 30s. So shout out to Sidney Crosby. It'll also be interesting to see how long he actually goes and just when he decides to hang up the skates. You know, if this Pittsburgh Penguin team starts to falter, I don't see him leaving the organization. I think he would just rather retire. I do. I th- I don't think Sidney Crosby will end his career with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think I've said that on this show before. I could see him playing with the Nate Dog. Like they're both from the same town. I don't think the Bruins can afford him. Otherwise, because him and Marshan are also from the same town, those three grew up together. It'd be interesting to see if he ever went to play with Edmonton. You know, on a cheaper deal. I just I'm not sure about him staying with the Penguins long term because of the reasons we're talking about. Their farm system is bad. Mm-hmm. I would rank it 30. I don't even like their bottom six, let alone their farm system. Yeah, I agree. I would rank them 32nd. The only team I would have ranked the Hawks 32nd last year. And then they added Korchinski and Nazar and had some really good second and third round picks last year. Like the Hawks are probably in the mid 20s for me right now with a chance to jump into the low, low single digits if they were to land a Bedard or a Fantilli or something. So they're on the right path in that aspect. The Penguins aren't bad enough to be in that conversation yet. So they're kind of in NHL purgatory right now, but man, do I enjoy watching number 87 and 71 for that matter. Crosby and Malkin, one of the all time greatest duos. Mm-hmm, I agree with you. Frank, for the first time in like six episodes, the New Jersey <laughs> Devils lost a game. And then since then, they've started a new heater. They're on a three-game heater again. They have won, what is that, 16 out of their last 17 games. Just an absolutely magical run that this team is on right now. They set an NHL record for most wins in the month of November ever. What do you make of how they bounced back from finally losing it? They didn't lose one and then lose the second in a row, go on a three-game. That happens to teams sometimes. They lost one. It was a close game. They had a chance to win the game they lost. They got you-know-what with no dinner first in that (laughs) game where three goals were waved off. What's your takeaway from this team? Because you learned a little more about them after they lost the game. Yeah, so, you know, they finally, their streak snaps, and they start a three-game win streak where they're outscoring their opponents 13-5. to So, 
the game they lost against Toronto, they didn't let it get in their heads. They continued to score. They proved that their win streak that they went on was the real deal and that this team is for real. And, you know, it wasn't a fluke that they went on a 13-game win streak. And, you know, it, it's just it's great to see other guys on this team chipping in. I know Hughes has been fantastic lately. He's been scoring a ton. But you guys, you guys got you got guys like McLeod, uh, Zetterland, Thomas Tatar, and those guys in these this little three-game winning streak they got going on have been key reasons as to why they're on this three-game winning streak again. It's other guys on this team are chipping in. And let's not forget about um, Akira Schmid, who we talked about last week, who I think is fantastic. He is still yet to lose a game. He is 4-0. I, I, this guy, I don't know. I You don't need um, Blackwood. I'm telling you, get something for him. Keep the, you don't have there's nothing to fix right now. They've won 16 out of 17 games. You could get something good for him. There are teams out there that could use him. We've talked about so many teams that could use a goalie right now or at the trade deadline. Get rid of him. Keep Schmid. I love what I'm seeing from this guy. The, the, the Devils haven't been playing these cupcake teams either, so there's no excuse there. I love what I'm seeing from this Devils team right now. Yeah, I am too. Most oh, Some of the early part of the streak was some cupcake teams, and then they started getting into the Colorados and the Edmontons and the Leafs, who they did beat. Um, I mean, they went 6-0 and in Canada. The first team never sweep the Eastern and Western Canadian road trips. There's a reason they're the first team in NHL history to do that, because it's hard. And, you know, in the cupcake games, they win by a lot. You know, they don't just barely squeak out these wins or have comeback yeah. wins. Like, they killed the Coyotes. They killed the Blue Jackets. It wasn't close. So, I really do appreciate what I'm seeing. The win over the Rangers impressed me, because rivalry game at Madison Square Garden, you went down 2 nothing. You came back and tied it in the same period. And then you ended up winning the game 4-3. to It was 4-2. to You let the Rangers get one back. You bet, but you didn't break. And they're just – they're winning all sorts of kinds of games right now. And Schmidt was sick in their most recent game. Nico Dawes was the backup because Blackwood is hurt again, and he was sick. But Schmidt will be back. I'm sure he'll back up Vitek Vanacek tomorrow. Um, against the Nashville Predators, who are coming to the Rock. And it's good times right now. There's not much more to say. Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Jesper Brad doing all the things we've talked about them doing. I think Brad and Hughes have 26 points, and Heischer has 25. And Heischer's played one less game than those two. So, like, just all three of them are absolutely on fire right now. Wouldn't shock me at all. They all have 90-plus points, maybe even 100. I think they're all on pace for about 199-ish points. And Hughes has... 13 goals, Bratton, he should have 11, I think. I mean, they're all up there amongst the NHL's leaders, and it's it's been fun. It's been it so is. Fun. Yeah, you got to be freaking dancing in your boots. <laughs> I am dancing in my boots, and another reason I'm dancing in my boots is because the Chicago Blackhawks are what we thought they were. Well, they are what I thought they were, the worst team in the NHL. There is not a team that I believe is worse than them. The Ducks have one less point. I think they will end with more points. Um the Blackhawks have some exciting moments. Obviously, they still have Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tapes for now. They are going to play with each other tonight against the Edmonton Oilers. It's the first time that Luke Richardson has played this card. And listen, I want Bedard playing for the Blackhawks so bad, so bad. If I could choose any team that realistically – obviously, if I could choose any team, I'd choose the Devils. But if I could choose any team that has a realistic chance at him, the Blackhawks would be at the top of my list. I would love to, on a random Tuesday night, just decide that I'm going to go watch Connor Bedard, drive 40 minutes to see Connor Bedard, 
That would be awesome. And I believe they have a legitimate chance to get them. They're 0-6-1 in their last seven games. They're probably not going to win for, you know, they're probably going to win at a 300 clip the rest of the season. I do believe they trade Kane. I do believe they trade Taves. And this team is going to be everything that they need to be. And Skokes thinks that Anaheim needs to pick it up and stop screwing with us. Yeah, I completely agree. It sounds to me like Skokes is on the bandwagon to tank and he thinks it's part of the plan. Um this team sucks, but they suck in like a, the most wonderful way. And I, I love what I'm seeing. I love when teams build the right way. And you know me I, with the Bears. I've been saying it with the Bears all year long. The Bears are going to have seven wins. Yeah, right. They might lose every game the rest of the season. They were lucky to beat San Francisco in week one in the monsoon. That was one of my favorite predictions. And the Blackhawks, they were hot to start. They stink. Frank, what do you think? Lost seven in a row. It's a tough time for the Blackhawks. And that's why Luke Richardson is putting uh, uh, Kane and Taves on the same line. It's been done before, but he's never done it. So we'll, we'll see if that fixes anything. But right now the Hawks aren't scoring and teams are exploiting their goaltending. And I, that's like one of the biggest worries, you know, we had going into the season and why we thought they'd be so bad because their goaltending tandem is just, it's not there for winning. It's just kind of, thrown there to kind of just tank the whole season. I hate using the word tank, but I mean, that that's kind of what it is. You, you're just fielding a team. You're putting those guys in net. So to see what, you know, what the outcome is, obviously Luke Richardson's not going out and trying to lose. He's trying to mix things up right now by putting Kane and Taves on the same line, maybe spark something, get a win here and there, because after a while you lose too many games, it, it messes with the players' heads. You don't want that going forward and you don't want them taking if somebody's traded off the team and taking that to a different team you got to pick up some wins here and there and that's what happened early on in the season and now they've just completely you know drove off a cliff but I woke up the other day saying wow the Blackhawks actually have a chance at winning the NHL draft lottery and act and I actually think they're going to I truly believe they're going to win the draft lottery we are going to have Bedard or Fantilli on our team and it should be exciting times it's going to be rough the rest of the year um, cause I don't like seeing the Hawks lose ever, but I think in the future, you know, we got a lot of bright spots potentially on this team in the farm system. Kane's been kind of disappointing lately. He's only, he's leading the team with 16 points here. I thought Kane would break 80 and I don't even know if he's going to get to 70. I hope he gets to 70. Um, it, it's been, it's been very disappointing to watch. Taves got off to a strong start with goals and now he only has eight still. I was hoping he'd be at double digits right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, ultimately he's also been fun to watch as well. But this team isn't built to win right now. So I think it's going to be pretty interesting for this next year's draft lottery, and I can't wait to be tuned into it. I have a take. Patrick Kane has 16 points. Jonathan Taves has eight goals because their line mates suck. Well, that's there's not a, a take. Reason, I agree with you. reason they're going together. They're probably going to be sick together. The Hawks are still going to lose four to three. Or something along the like Taves and Kane will create goals together though. If Patrick Kane was traded to the Rangers or to the Devils or the Bruins, Colorado, any Winnipeg, any of the teams that have a legit shot at winning the Stanley Cup, Kane does break 80 points. He's still that good. You watch the black Kane is one of those players right now where your eyes do you more favors than the statistics. Because you go out there, he's making plays, he's creating chances, and then Max Domi shoots it 10 feet wide. Or so and so Joe Smith shoots it into the goalie's chest. Like 
Patrick Kane is still unbelievable. Taves is still unbelievable. One of the best face-off men in the league, a championship team, would benefit from having both of them, and they would both elevate their games if they were traded away. Remember when Eric Stahl was on Carolina while they were rebuilding, and this is before Svechnikov, before Aho, before Taravainen. It was just Stahl and a bunch of – they were rebuilding. They were one of the worst teams in the league. Then all of a sudden, Stahl finds his way to the Minnesota Wild, and he scores 40 goals again. That type of shit happens in the NHL, and Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves are going to move on from this team this season and be absolute rock stars at some point. I still wonder if they're going to be able to trade Taves because of the contract and they can only retain on one of them, I think, with the way their books are set up. I'm not super positive. Sometimes you need a legit lawyer to understand the collective bargaining agreement with contract negotiations like that. But they're going to become worse as a team, and those two guys are going to become better. Maybe they come back to the team down the line. I, I don't know if the team would want that with, you know, when you're onward and upward, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you type of thing. But – I don't know. I just I think very highly of what they're doing. I'm just excited to see what the next step is. And Luke Richardson playing the Taves and Kane card, they they need to get them to get going so other teams want to give up a first round pick for him. Like the, Kyle Davidson's probably like Luke, play these two jabronis together so they score some goals. You'll still lose <laughs> games. You got fucking Peter Mrazek in net. Okay, Alex Stalock is your backup. I know he's out right now. I actually really like Soderblom, but. You know, when Peter Mrazek is in net, like, he gave up seven with ease to Winnipeg. You're still going to lose seven to four if Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tapes combined for three goals. So, like, I mean, you're, who's, on, who's on their top pair? Is it? On offense? No, on defense. Isn't Murphy playing with Tenorti on their top pair? And then Seth yeah, Jones, Jones on is the on the second pair. I mean, Tenorti yeah. is on your top pair. That's bad. That's really, really Tornorty would not make the Devils. He would be <laughs> playing for Utica. <laughs> like, I just I can't like fathom this team is so bad and it is so by design that I I hope if they get one of Fantilli, Bedard, or Mitchkov, they will be smooth sailing long term. I truly believe that. They'll be able to win a cup if they win the draft lottery, I think, in the future. You would think. Uh, nothing is ever a guarantee. Winning the cup is steep. I mean, McDavid hasn't won a cup yet. And let's not sit here and act like the Blackhawks are this fine organization compared to Edmonton. You know, Taves and Kane were generational in what they were able to produce with Marion Hosa and stuff. Uh, Johnson and Jones are the 1D pair tonight. Okay, thank you, Skokes. I mean, that is just... Jack Johnson was like a healthy scratch for Colorado in like three of their seven cup games or whatever. <laughs> I, I just ugh, that team, that Blackhawks team, man. Stan Bowman really left them hanging. I, I guess I could say because that's another thing. That Seth Jones contract. Seth Jones is still a great player, but you have a defenseman making nine for the next eight years. Excuse me. And you're trying to rebuild. That's just tough. And maybe Jones will be like on the back end of his career when the team starts to get good again. But also maybe not. I, I would a team trade for him though? Maybe I could see it. The Blackhawks just probably wouldn't want to retain on a player for seven years. That's a long time to retain someone. They would do it for one year, like. Taylor I also think. I also think like the Hawks could be good by the time his contract's over. I think they will be. They will be better before his contract's over. But where will he be? I don't know. 
in his play, like I'm saying. I think the Hawks get good in the next two to three years. It all depends. To where they, my to where they could start making the playoffs, and so if that's the case, I still think Seth Jones is, you know, in a good spot in his career. But like you said, it all depends. So we have to see. Absolutely. So another team that has been kind of near the bottom of the NHL standings for the last handful of years is the Buffalo Sabres. And their record stinks, but I stand by this statement. They are one of the most exciting teams in the NHL to watch. You can be exciting and still stink. I think the Devils were exciting last year. Jack Hughes was on fire. Nico Heischer was amazing. They just gave up a million goals. P.K. Subban was slower than me. But, you know, Buffalo's kind of in the same boat as the Devils last year. Tage Thompson is a super star. He will be at the All-Star game. He will be on Team USA's Olympic team. He's so good. And Alex Tuck is on fire, and they're getting good play from Olafson And Skinner's kind of having a little bit of a resurgence. Owen Power's amazing. Jack Quinn, Rasmus Dahlin. What's your take on Buffalo? Yeah, they're exciting because at any given game, they could score six goals like we've mm-hmm. seen, but they also give up six goals yep. in any given game. They're yep. going to win 7-2 to two or they're going to lose 8-3. to three. So – that's just what you get with the Buffalo Sabres right now. And that's not winning hockey. And I was worried about the contract Tage Thompson scores uh, signed right now. It's looking good. I'm fine with the contract. I'm happy with the contract, you know, um, mm-hmm. Rasmus Dahlin. I mean, he's been pretty good as well. 24 points. I want to see more out of Owen power though. Zero goals, 10 assists. He's great defensively. And, and maybe that's just his role, right? He's not going to be that guy who goes out there and scores. He's also uh, 19. Yeah, right. And, you know, it takes time for guys. But I, I'd still like to see him net one here. I mean, come yeah. on, zero goals? Come on. He's not that bad. But he's no, good no. defensively. First career goal against the Devils last year. And I think Eric Comrie, the goalie for Buffalo, he's been terrible. He's been bringing this team down. And when he's down, and now you're stuck with uh, Craig Anderson – and I'm not even going to try and pronounce the other guy. The other Luko guy. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to win with Craig Anderson. There's a reason Craig Anderson's been on six different hockey teams. He's movable. He's another Peter Mrazek. Throw him in net and you're just going to tank. And when you don't have a goalie and you can't rely on Comrie and Huga Baduga Duga, whatever you said. Huko Pekka Lukanen. Yeah, it's just it's not going to happen. So right now, Buffalo, you know, they got the skill on their team. They need Owen Power to perform a little bit, and he will as years go on. Like you said, he's only 19. They need better goaltending, and I I think, I mean, they got it decent enough. With Tage Thompson, He he's, you could easily build around him. I love Darlene on defense. I mean, this Buffalo team is not bad, but they're, underperform- they're, they're not performing well because of certain missing pieces on their team. Yes, they're exciting but losing. I mean, like you yeah. said, they'll lose a game 8-7. They'll win a game 7-6. Like, they're really fun. And I think Tage Thompson is a dog. I He's going to make Team USA's Olympic team. I, tw- I don't remember if I tweeted it. I think I did tweet it. I would Tage Thompson's going to play for Team USA next year in the World Cup of Hockey. And I would put him on a line with Jack Eichel and uh, Patrick Kane and call it the Buffalo line. <laughs> I mean, tell me that wouldn't be sick. You got Buffalo's old star. He's not Buffalo's going to Buffalo. New star. Wh- who? Patrick Kane? No, you call it the Buffalo line because Eichel played for Buffalo. 
Thompson is on Buffalo and oh. Kane is from Buffalo. Gotcha. It's the Buffalo line. I don't see Kane go. If Kane went to Buffalo, it wouldn't be as a trade. It would be as a free agent next summer. That I could see. If I they were ready, so. if they were ready to try and take the next step, kind of like the Devils signing Andre Palat, like they felt like they'd be better. Then I could see Buffalo bringing in Kane, but they're not trading assets for him this year. No shot. Absolutely no shot. A contender's trading assets for Kane. Yeah, I, I, I think the most likely is the Rangers if you were to get moved. So. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. I don't know their cap situation, but I, the Rangers or the Avalanche, I think, are two possible destinations for Kane via trade. Free agency? Everyone's on the table for free agency. Because I do think Buffalo is going to try and be good next year. And signing Patrick Kane would help them with that. And I think he'd want to play there, I would assume. I mean, it would make sense to me. They have a lot of pieces he'd be able to play with. Thompson and Tuck and uh, Dylan Cousins has been outstanding. He's a true second-line center in the NHL. They, they got some fun players over there in Buffalo. But if Tage Thompson played with Patrick Kane and Jack Eichel in the World Cup of Hockey next year, and they called it the Buffalo line. And then you put Jack Hughes in between the Kachuk brothers and call it the Jackass line. I think that would be just so much fun. And make a line of all memes and win the World Cup of Hockey. McDavid's not going to let anyone win the World Cup of Hockey, but I digress. Frank Rupe hints contract with the Dallas Stars. What do you think? You're going to try to tell me it's a bad contract again? No, I'm going to tell you it's a great contract. Wonderful contract. Yeah, well, first of all, he's taking a million dollar pay cut because the contract he's on now is a three year, nine point four five million. Now he's on an eight year, or he will be on an eight year, eight point four five million dollar contract. And if you remember many podcast episodes ago, I like to think of if you're an eighty point guy, you deserve eight million. Hints is going to break eighty points easily, I think, and therefore it, it's a great contract. And if you look at his years, right? And well, first of all, you look at his this year. 22 games played with 24 points, more than a point per game, right? Jim Nill said that Hintz wants to be a Dallas star for life. And, you know, that eight-year contract doesn't necessarily solidify that. But long-term, he's going to be with the team for throughout the prime of his career. And every year that Hintz has been in the league, he's only gotten better. Rookie season, 22 points. The year after that, 33. Year after that, 43. Year after that, 72. This year, to be determined, he's on pace to crush 72. That is why I think it's a great contract for the Dallas Stars. One mil per 10 points. We've talked about it a yep. thousand times. It has a chance to be a steal. I mean, he plays with Robertson and Pavelski. We, we're seeing Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan have great years. The Dallas Stars are Stanley Cup contenders. Anybody who denies it is a fool. They have outstanding goaltending. Ryan Suters, the veteran on that the That was bench. my pick to get him in the playoffs when we were doing the yeah, prediction. Yeah, absolutely. And I left him out. But I left him out because of how I, what I said. I believe they're top-heavy, but a large portion of their cap is going to Sagan and Ben. I believe a combined $20 million is going to Sagan and Ben. And so if those guys stink, they're not going anywhere but they haven't stunk. So, you know, and they got good defense. Miro Heiskanen's top 10, in my opinion. If I'm ranking the 10 best defensemen in the NHL, Miro Heiskanen makes the list for me. And, you know, Ryan Suter, really good. They traded for uh, Nils Lundqvist from the New York Rangers. He's been a solid addition. He's like an above-average NHL player, a good second-line pair kind of guy. Sometimes you trade assets for a second pair kind of guy. Like, it's like the devil's trading for graves. Like, 
that was an unbelievable trade because they needed like a second pair guy to just come in and be a big meanie. And that's exactly what Lundqvist can do for the Dallas Stars. And I, he was drafted by the Rangers. I remember that was the draft. Me, Joey, and Dylan went to Declan's and the Rangers took a guy named Lundqvist. Like, okay, the Rangers are doing this to, for, to make a show out of it. And they draft a guy named Lundqvist after Lundqvist was so great for so many years. But I digress again. That's what I do. Um, Rupe Hintz, great contract. Dallas Stars, Frank. Last night, Matthew Kachuk made his return to Calgary as a member of the Florida Panthers. The guy he was traded for, Jonathan Huberdeau, scored a goal and had a much better evening as his team won big against the Florida Panthers. We both agree that Matthew Kachuk was the best player traded in the deal, but the Flames were losing him anyway, so they might as well get what they can for him, and they got two really good players with Uyghur and Huberto. And I'll tell you what, the Flames social media team yesterday, they did a wonderful job. Every single graphic they posted had a picture of either Uyghur or Huberto on it, and I just thought that was the funniest thing ever. Every single graphic had a picture of either Uyghur or Huberto on it, and they knew they were playing the Florida Panthers. They knew this trade is going to be judged for a very, very long time. Every time any of them does something, they're going to be judged against each other. Even though Kachuk and Huberto essentially didn't do anything wrong, they were just traded for each other. But the organizations are always going to be looked at. So I ask you, what did you make of Matthew Kachuk's return to Calgary? And then, of course, Huberto playing against his old team at his new home barn in Calgary. It seems like whenever games like that happen, both sides tend to step it up a little bit, especially when it's player for player and a trade of that caliber. I mean, you got 200-point guys being traded for each other. trade in the last 10 years, I'd say. But his return was spoiled, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure they lost. Yeah, no, they got creamed. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's kind of a disappointment, and it's kind of like – and I think – who do you think is better? I kind of think Calgary is the better team. They've both – They've both they've been like both, underwhelming, but but good, exactly. But I think they're both, they're both like wild card good right now when we expected them to be in division hunt. And but I would, I think I would give the edge to Calgary a little bit. I think I would too. Um, but it's both like, like I said, caliber goaltending, both have pretty good defense, both have high end talent at forward. So, yeah, I would give the slight edge to Calgary though. <laughs> But like I said, when you have a game of that caliber and a game that means so much to both sides of the team and how much both teams are involved, anything could happen like we saw. So, I mean, it, it's fun to watch. It, new scenery for both guys. It, it's just it's fun to watch as a hockey fan. Sure is. Hopefully those two teams continue to play well because, listen, I want them both to be good. Oh, man, a Florida Panthers versus Calgary Flames Stanley Cup final. Sign me up. Sign me up. That'd You'd be like awesome. that? Oh, that'd be awesome. I'd be bored, I think. <laughs> no shot. That'd be sick. And listen, that trade, I can't remember a time where two 100-point guys were traded for one another. And, like, and I remember I was at my parents' house while that trade broke, and it was just – it was unbelievable hearing like that kind of trade went down and it was just, it was crazy. And so I'm happy to see that everyone's having fun. Kachuk went on a podcast spitting chicklets that I listened to his interview and it seemed like he was in a good place in Florida. So hopefully everything works out 
for both sides. I like seeing both sides be good. They're so far from each other in the map. It's so funny. Like Calgary and the Florida Panthers might be the two farthest teams away from each other. Maybe Vancouver and Florida, but like they're very far from each other. And it's just, it's an interesting thing when those two teams get together. But Mm -hmm. Frank, last night, the Vegas Golden, it was either last night or the night before, they premiered their reverse retro jerseys, and they glow in the dark. And we don't have to get too deep into it, but I just am curious, what's your takeaway on these jerseys? I I love them. I love the font. The font has that medieval type of feel to them. And I think with the Vegas Golden Knights and, you know, their stadium being called the Fortress, and they have to go for that medieval look. And they look stunning. They look great on the ice. I like the glow-in-the-dark effect because, you know, not many jerseys, sports jerseys in general, have something like that. So it's really, really neat. I I think because of how new their franchise is, you kind of had to think outside the box with the reverse retro jersey here. And I think they did a great job with it. And I would buy one, honestly. I I actually plan to have one of those eventually in my collection. Yeah, they're sick. I mean, listen, I love going to medieval times. If the people watching this have ever been to medieval times, it's so much fun. I love Game of Thrones. I love that whole medieval like sword fighting and type of vibe. And Vegas combines that with light shows. And listen, it's so cool. They glow in the dark. They play the song from John Wick. Bring... And it makes sense because Vegas is a flashy city. Exactly. With the lights and the glow and the they have a neon museum in Vegas with the the different colors and stuff. It's all about that's what I love most about this glow in the dark jersey. It's fantastic. Absolutely. I love it so much. I hope Vegas wears it more. I'd like to see it when the devils come to town. The devils reverse retros are white, so let's get a white a reverse retro matchup here in Vegas. That'd be sick. Maybe. Um yeah. Um, like the Hawks wore theirs on the road. Plenty mm-hmm. of teams can wear them on the road. There are lots yeah. of situations where that could happen. Um, I actually have tickets to a game where the Hawks are wearing their reverse retros against Calgary in February. So I'm very much looking. I might get one just for that. And not a lot of people like them. I do. And I like Detroit's too. They just like old school hockey, like original six. The, the your your logos were colors back in the day, right? Like, and you see it with football. Like when the Bears play the Packers and they wear those reverse or those retro jerseys and like the Packers logo is just yellow and the Bears logo is just orange. Like that is so cool to me. So hopefully they're able to, you know, keep these reverse retros going. And Calgary wore the I forget what they call that logo. They wore they wore the 2020 reverse retros last night with the horse on the front. And I think those jerseys are just absolutely magnificent. I might have what's the name for that horse there's a special I just said, name i don't for remember it. the name for it, 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 uh, it has, not a stallion it has a name but these are the jerseys Is it a stallion? Not a stallion. oh by the way they used a picture of huberto wearing it to model them because calgary's <laughs> team is our social media team was just on a heater last night is it i don't know what you're thinking a, a name for that horse that logo has a name though for the flames they have like a name you know how they call the the arizona coyotes call their dog the kachina yeah calgary has a name like that here i'll look it up yeah but the name of the jersey might also be the name of the horse um there's a special there's a special name for like a mythical flaming horse blasty is his name that's not what i was thinking of yeah, I don't know. I would have never guessed that. Yeah, I knew I knew it had a name. Blasty. Um is 
the name of the horse, but I don't know what kind of horse it is, though. A stallion? I mean, it kind of looks like a stallion with some flames. I think coming it is. I think it's a flaming stallion. That makes sense. A flaming stallion. Stallions, like, you know, they got a lot of power and honor. You know, you're a stallion. So it only yeah. makes sense. That would make sense. Um, Frank, I ask you this almost every week. What's your favorite hockey story of the week? You're not going to expect me to mention this. Well, so if you mention mine you. and you take mine from me <laughs> after the absolute fucking junk that you've talked all season long, I'm going to punch you. Oh, in it's head. not going to be about freaking trash Ovechkin, okay, Italian, okay. whatever. Good. Yeah, good. Hey, good. Screw him. Good. Screw him. Yeah, I'm on the right. no record, no record for Ovechkin train. Yeah, right. Pegasus. Blue mode you are. Maybe it's Pegasus I'm thinking of. Mm, Kaiba boy. I think it is. That's the My name. My good I friend Kaiba boy. Maybe. I'd have to look up a picture of a Pegasus. My story has to do with Connor Bedard. We've done a lot of talk about Fantilli, but let's give it uh, Connor Bedard a little bit of the spotlight here. He extended his point streak for the Regina uh, Pats in the WHL to 22 games. At that's the longest of his career, 17 years old. How fantastic is Connor Bedard? He helped sell, sell out the Vancouver Giants Stadium. They had a sellout crowd just to witness Bedard when when they only averaged a little over 3,000 fans. They had like a sellout of over 5,700. People want to see Connor Bedard, and he may be on his way to Chicago. Next season, next off season, during the draft, he's having a great year. He's only 17 years old, and what he's doing right now is just the tip of the iceberg to when he gets to the NHL. That's all I, I got. I absolutely love your excitement for Connor Bedard. Adam Fantilli is going to be the most disappointing, awesome prize for you <laughs> in May. No, I'm totally joking. I hope Connor Bedard comes to Chicago. He's coming, but as you guessed it. My story is the oh, wonderful, sit down. great, unbelievable Alexander Ovechkin. Washed. This man washed. He has 13 goals. He's on pace for 50 again. Again. He's going to score 50 at 36. Even if he gets to 45, I don't care. Spam your washed in the chat. You don't understand. You're, I, I honestly, I'm like, you have till the end of the year. To come off the like, I know you don't actually think it. I do. I honestly believe it. I just don't get how, because he has 13 goals. He broke Wayne Gretzky's record for the most goals on the road in the history of the NHL with his 403rd goal. You know how much harder it is to score a goal on the road than home. That means against Crosby, against Bergeron, against Taves, against Kopitar. You like when you do it at home, you're against the other team's third line instead of their first. And this man is the greatest goal scorer in the history of the league, even if he somehow didn't break the record. Not only listen to me, it's not even a matter of can he break what Wayne Gretzky's goal record. Like that's a lock in my opinion. It's an absolute undisputable lock in my opinion that he does that. I think the better question is, can he reach a thousand goals? Like I'm being dead serious. 
this man is going to – he'll get 40, 45, maybe 50 this year. That puts him at about 830-something. And then he needs 60 over the next five years of his career. He's got four years left on his contract after this. If he has to play till he's 41 like Yager to do it, he will. He already won the Stanley Cup. It's about breaking Wayne Gretzky's goal record now. He could even have like a, a – he, he has about – in my opinion, he has about 60 games of a grace period when it comes to injury or illness or whatever. He's got about 60 games grace, in my opinion, and he'll still be able to – if he started missing like more than 60 games over the next couple of years, then I would start to worry. But it, he would legit need to miss that many games for me to think he's not going to break the record. Like I just – I'm every single game he plays, he's dangerous. He The goal, he scored the second goal yesterday, the 13th one of the season, and he wound up. He had that shit locked and loaded like in Call of Duty when you have your gun and search and destroy and you're camping and you're ready to pop someone. That's what Ovechkin was doing with that shit locked and loaded yesterday. He was begging for the puck and he knew he was going to blast it past the Vancouver netminder for his 13th of the season. He is now, how many is that in the career? That is... 793 he is seven away from 800 he should have that by christmas he will break gordy howe's record right around christmas it'll be a wonderful christmas present for all of us he will be the second all-time leading goal scorer by the time the calendar flips to 2023 and he'll be about 90 goals shy of the great one he could go 30 30 30 he could go 40 20 20 he could go 50 20 10 it doesn't matter wayne gretzky be on the lookout, my son. The great Alexander Ovechkin. Ovechkin has 13 goals and Crosby has 12. All to lead their teams. What a time. What players. What a time to be alive. The same era as Crosby and Ovechkin. Just absolutely unbelievable. McDavid, you're the best in the league. You're great. But step aside. I'm trying to watch my guys, Crosby and Ovechkin. I'm a millennial. So what's your favorite story this week for real? That. <laughs> I saw that. I'm like, scroll. Yeah, I bet. I bet. And, and I'm giving you till the end of the, Listen, I this can't, is a nice I guy can't that change, I am. This if is I a nice change. guy that I am. I'm a nice guy. If you change and when he ends up doing it, I won't say a word. <laughs> I but can't. if you don't change, if you don't change by the time Washington season is done, not the NHL season, Washington season. And he does do it in 2025, I think is when I project he'll do it. Then I will make fun of you, like hard. Like I'm talking, I will, we will have an entire segment. I'm going to bring in guests. I'm going to, so, so, so and so. Frankie didn't think that Wayne Gretzky was going to get passed by Alexander Ovechkin. What do you think? And we're just going to have a line of guests to come in here and roast your ass for not believing in the great eight. You can. You can't. I can't. We, all flip. we all flip. Frank, you flipped. You just admitted Tate Thompson like, has been sick. I flip I all know. the time. The Denver Broncos suck. That's one of my worst takes I've ever had. I understand. I thought Russell Wilson would be good. We all have bad takes. I know. You but this not is... think Ovechkin would have 13 goals by November 30th. No shot. But if I change five. and it doesn't happen, I, I don't know what I would do. It depends why it doesn't happen. I don't care if there's an injury. Oh, I do. Because I'm, predict I'm predicting something like that happening. I'm factoring that in right now. I'm taking into the consideration that nobody necessarily just stays healthy, especially later on in their career. 
I understand that, but I, I, he, I'll give you like, like if he gets injured, I'll be like, yeah, I, I was predicting this. A sixty-game, like race. I truly believe that. I don't know. If he misses sixty games over the next six years, I still think he'll break it. We start getting into like missing a hundred games, then we're probably missing fifty goals. Like I, I, you know, you think Ovechkin's played at about a zero point five seven goals per game. So about 50 goals a year, 40 goals a year. If he ends up with like seven, eight, it would be eight. Now what's he at right now? 13. So if he scores 45, what would that put him at? I don't know he, what he's at. Total. He's at 793. So, so if he scores 45. That's another 28? No. That's another 32? Yeah, yeah. And he's at seven what? 33. 33 more. He's at 793. We're looking at like 833 goals, something like that. Frankie, big math guy right now doing math in his brain. Because wait, how many All right, how many goals is he at? He has 793 goals. 793 goals. And how many goals do you think he could get to? 48? Well, let's, let's say 45. 45 would be an extra 32. Okay. So 32 and 793 is 825. Okay. Yeah. So he would need about 60 more goals with four years left on his contract. Yeah. Easy. 40 goals? He'll score 10 power play goals by accident just by standing there. You you shopped for glue on Black Friday, didn't you? Frank. (laughs) Frank, you, you're, you listen. There are plenty of times where you can make your glue comment and be like spot on, and like you'll have reason. Everyone and their mother thinks that Ovechkin, if he as long as he stays healthy enough, will break Wayne Gretzky's goal. I mean, you get a notification every time he scores a goal on your phone. <laughs> this is not only going to be the biggest story in hockey; it will be the biggest story in sports. I can't. When's the last time a hockey story? was the biggest story in all of sports. I want to say it was Vegas when they got off to that sixth start. Like an expansion team is one of the best teams in all of sports. I think that's the last time hockey led the sports center. When Ovechkin breaks Gretzky's goal record, it is going to be it is going to be one of the most monumental sporting events of all time. I hope he does it against the Devils. That way I'm for sure one million percent gonna be watching. Well, I'm sure you're going to be watching regardless if you know what's coming. My goal is to be at the game. That's tough. I've been, I know, but I've been waiting for this moment for a long time. When he was at 500, and the tickets it, are going to be outrageous. Oh, I know, but the, I think by 2025 it might be able to happen. We'll see. I mean, part of me does think when he gets to 893, or even when he ties the record and gets to 894. We're talking a week or two of him sitting on that, just waiting for that goal. Because it happened with Judge. It always happens in sports. I know how it goes. Um, I just hope he doesn't end a season on 894 and have to wait till freaking October. Imagine? That would suck. Because he would do it. I know he would do it. I know he wants to do this and he's going to. But, oh, man, I, when it, I think when he got to 600 or 500, me and Uncle F-Bomb sat down. And I I, like, mapped out how – He's going to do it. 
and everything was going according to plan until COVID hit. But then when he, so if COVID never hit, he'd probably be, he'd probably be, he'd be over 800 by now, but he'd probably be looking at breaking the record next year or the year after. Whereas I think it's more 2025 realistically, because I don't, he, he's not a Rocket Richard Trophy candidate anymore, but he's a 440 goal man candidate for sure. I, man, I love Ovechkin. I, every time he scores, I'm like, let's go. Here we go. Another one. Another one. I'm like DJ Khaled. Another one. Another one. <laughs> oh, you're nutty. I am nutty. And, again, you have till the end of the year, and I have a feeling you're going to wait till the final game of the year. Just <laughs> But, like <laughs> – if you don't back down, you will be punished. You will be punished. If he does. If. if, yes. But I will take no heat if there's like a bad injury. I'm not wow. taking I don't want to believe. Like, I don't look at it that way. Like, do you think Patrick Mahomes is going to be a Hall of Famer? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, what if he snapped his leg tomorrow and was never able to play again? Then he wouldn't make the Hall of Fame. Like, yeah, no shit. You know, nothing's a guarantee. Nothing's a guarantee, but I am of the opinion that with health, Ovechkin will break Wayne Gretzky's goal record. Do well, you, will you say that? What? With health, he'll break his goal record. I, I don't know. <laughs> with health. He's finishing he with 33 goals this year. He's scoring 20 more. Mm-hmm. You're out of your mind. He might, score 10. he might score 10 in December. He's hot right now. And when Ovechkin gets hot, you know there's a hat trick in there somewhere. He almost had one last Oh, my God. I thought he had one last night. Do you think he'll have 20 before the end of the year? Like the calendar year? Seven more? Yeah. Seven in December? Seven Without before question. New Year's. Without question. We'll yes. see. Yeah, I do. Because I just always feel like when I'm looking through the scores and I see Washington has a couple, am I going to see that gray-haired motherfucker? And then when I do, I go, yeah! And I I watched a little bit of the Vancouver game yesterday, but um, Ovechkin had two in the first, and he had a chance right in front, and he got robbed for the hat trick late in the third. Like, damn. I wish that one went in. I would have loved to see an Ovechkin hat trick right here. Because even when he breaks Gordy Howe's record for second, when he scores his 800 second goal, I think that's going to be monumental. Now, but when he scores his 800th, the benches will clear. Absolutely. So uh, I don't know. I'm excited. That's awesome. What we'll a guy, see. <laughs> Alexander the Great. Frank, how about we talk about some other sports at the same time here? Let's do it. Let's do that. In period number three. Welcome to period three, where Frankie and I can't argue the fact that Bears-Packers is awesome. And it is this week, Sunday, I believe. I believe we'll be watching it together, if I'm not mistaken. No, I won't be there. Oh, man. Well, we will not be watching it together, but I will be watching it for sure. Frank, the Bears are playing the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is going to play, according to himself on the Pat McAfee show. Banged up. Read all about it on DeWindyCity.com. He is banged up. He's got a broken thumb that was broken by an eight-year-old Make-A-Wish Foundation kid. 
<laughs> that he told in confidence. And then the kid went out and put it on social media. And he also has issues with his rib. The MRI came back clean. And he is going to play against the Chicago Bears with said broken thumb and said rib issues. They are not mathematically eliminated, but neither is most teams really yet. I mean, we're not quite there yet, but they're getting close. They only have four wins. The Chicago Bears, they only have three wins. I do believe Justin Fields is going to suit up for this game after not playing last week against the New York Jets. Frank, what's your takeaway from Bears versus Packers? Bears are screwed, dude. I don't care how bad the Packers look. Aaron Rodgers owns us, like he said. He owns us. I'm If, if that's the way it's got to be, that's the way it's got to be. But I'm not expecting the Bears to win this game at all. It's just there's something about him. When he plays Chicago, he's just got our number. And I'm tired of it. I don't like it, but I accept it. And that's something we're going to have to accept this Sunday. I agree. Listen, Green Bay sucks. They're bad. But they're bad on accident. They meant to be good. Like, they wanted to win the Super Bowl. Like, we're back-to-back MVPs going for his third. They've just been brutal. And I do believe the broken thumb contributes to it, of course, and all that. And he has far less receivers than we're used to him having. I do think Aaron Jones is a solid running back. But I'm, I think we're seeing how important having a great receiver is to a great quarterback. I mean, Tom Brady had Rob Gronkowski and Randy Moss and Wes Welker and Aaron Rodgers for a long time had Jordy Nelson and then Devontae Adams. Like, these guys were awesome. Now he's got Christian Watson as probably his best receiver, and who, who, to his credit, is coming along so far this season. And Jordan Love hit him for a nice touchdown pass um, on Monday night or on Sunday night. But, I mean, listen, I, I'd be stunned if the Bears won. I think their roster is so poopy. The Packers are bad because they play like shit. The Bears are bad. The Bears play well. I do believe the Bears play well. But they just suck because their roster is so bad. It's kind of similar to the Blackhawks. I don't think the Blackhawks play bad every game. They play hard. They have a good system. They're bought into what Luke Richardson tells them. Just like the Bears are. They're bought into what Matt Eberflus tells them. There's just not enough talent. And Aaron Rodgers, I do believe, is going to prevail. But Justin Fields is not going to make it easy on them if he plays. He might even scare him a little bit. I wouldn't be stunned if the Bears won. I mean, there's a reason that if the Bears win, they'll have the exact same record. That There, there is a reason for that. They're, they suck. But I'm excited for it either way. It's a rivalry game. I mean, this is it. This is Michigan-Ohio State. This is Devils-Rangers. This is, you know, Duke-North Carolina. I love Bears Packers and I'm excited for it Sunday at noon. Also, Frank, tomorrow night, the Buffalo Bills will take on the New England Patriots. That's always a great rivalry game. What do you make of this matchup to kick off week 13? Well, both teams actually have pretty similar defenses, even though on paper at least, but I think the Patriots got the better of the two defenses. I think it's going to be a really tight and contested game just because of how well these defenses are. Each team only allows a little over 18 points per game. I think the Patriots are a little underrated. They're at home. It's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. Keep it within one score, down to the wire potentially. I mostly agree. I do think there's a chance one of them wins by a lot, and it will be a statement game. If New England kills Buffalo, They're going to look at the rest of the NFL and say, listen, motherfuckers, we're the New England fucking Patriots. Okay? Like, we're here. And if the Buffalo Bills kill the New England Patriots, they're going to be like, this is our freaking division now. Bow down to us. 
we have Josh Allen. He's a top three quarterback in the NFL. Our run game sucks, but we have this great quarterback who's going to help us overcome that. Or it could just be a close game and both teams are both teams for a reason. Um, I'm excited about it, though. That's a great Thursday night. It is a great Thursday night game. Very much looking forward to Patriots versus Bills. That will be on my radar for sure. Frank, what was your favorite game last week? And what game are you looking forward to most this week? Well, you know, obviously you had those great Thanksgiving game days or game, whatever. The games on Thanksgiving were really fun to watch. Um, they were all close. They were all within one score, and that's what I expect when there's primetime games and off days, like when you got a game on a Thursday or a Sunday night, Monday night. I expect close games, and why I think the game tomorrow is going to be close. But that Ravens-Jaguars game was insane. The Ravens were up nine in the fourth quarter, and I believe when the Jaguars are trailing by at least two scores in the fourth quarter, they've never won in franchise history. They're like 0-175. They get their first win by scoring a touchdown and going for two late in the game. There was like 12 seconds maybe or 20-something seconds, I think it was, whatever the case may be. There was very little time left. Uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens end up driving down the field and giving the best field goal kicker in the NFL a chance at a 67-yard field goal. He just didn't have the distance. Jaguars take that game, very tight contested game. Similar to what we saw in the Chargers-Cardinals game when the Chargers went for two to get the win over the Cardinals. Um, But I think that Ravens-Jaguars game was absolutely incredible to watch. It was insane. And I'll give an honorable mention of the Raiders-Seahawks, which went to overtime, high-scoring game too. Those three games that I just mentioned were some of the best of the week for sure. You want me to do this week too? Yeah, go ahead. This week I'm really looking forward to there's, – there's a few games. Dolphins-49ers, that's going to be a pretty fantastic game to watch. Jets-Vikings I think will be pretty interesting. I don't know how I feel about the Jets, though. Uh, the Vikings have just been absolutely incredible. But, you know, I, I do think the Jets with Mitch White or Michael White, whatever his name is, he Mike could White, keep yeah. – Mike, Mike White? Yep. Yeah, Mike White, he could keep it close uh, for sure. I like what I've seen against them this past week, you know, and – it was funny. Stephen A. Smith was like, I never want to see um, Zach Wilson back this year. He was like going all out, just saying like how Mike White's the answer and whatnot. I, I don't know about that. I mean, calm down. It was one game. Um, but Titans-Eagles should be another good one. So those three games, Titans-Eagles, Jets-Vikings, Dolphins-49ers, probably the best games this week to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I love that you brought up Vegas versus Seattle. That was a great one too. Um, I, I can't wait to watch Vegas play Seattle in hockey too. That's going to be, I mean, those two expansion teams are on fire right now. We're not, we didn't talk about the Kraken this week. I'm giving them one more week before I fully buy in, but I'm leaning more towards, I'm veering away from my original opinion. on them nine goals yesterday. I know, I know. And they got Cal Peterson waived. Just, just putting that out there. If no one claims him, he's headed to the Ontario Reign. But um, my favorite game of the week is probably Cincinnati versus Tennessee. Listen, Cincinnati, they started the season one and three, and those three losses were by a combined eight points. They easily could have won all three of those games, and that would make their record right now 10 and one if they were to have gotten a little bit better luck early. Joe Burrow is the second best quarterback in the NFL right now. He has passed Josh Allen in the last two weeks for me. 
I would go Mahomes, Burrow, Allen right now. Allen could very well jump right back into that two seat. Nobody's Mahomes in my opinion. But Joe Burrow is unbelievable. And my LSU guy, I, he's I'm so happy. He's right there. And 20 to 16 win over a great Tennessee Titans team, a great Tennessee Titans defense on the road. Cincinnati Bengals pulled it out 20 to 6. I will give an honorable mention to the Cleveland versus Buccaneers game that had a wild finish in overtime. My Bucks, my Tom Brady, he went down in overtime. Tough game for the Bucks. They're now five and six, but they're still probably going to make the playoffs because their division is so cheeks. But then they get in the playoffs. You never know what happens with Tommy Boy in the playoffs. I'm just telling you. And their defense is pretty good, and they're going to get a little healthy here soon. But my favorite game of this upcoming week does involve them. I'm very much looking forward to when they play the New Orleans Saints. That's Monday, Monday night, night, right? Football. Yeah, Monday night football. And listen, the Saints suck. Okay, they're not the Saints of old when they had Drew Brees, and they've kind of failed to meet expectations, in my opinion. If that were them, I would start Jameis Winston because they have a chance to make the playoffs, even though they've been stinky, because their division is so bad. But Tampa Bay versus the Saints the first time around was just so mean and dark. <laughs> and both teams were wearing dark jerseys, and it was in the dark Superdome. And that you might remember that was the game where Mike Evans got suspended for absolutely trucking a player that looked at Tom Brady funny. I mean, these two teams just despise each other. It's becoming one of the best rivalries in the NFL. I'm really hoping both of them get a quarterback soon because I don't know how much longer Tommy's got left. Now that he's divorced, he might have three more years left in him. I used to think he was going to retire. Then he got divorced. He might come back, especially if they really tank this season. But in the long term, I'd love to see the Bucks and the Saints just keep this rivalry going because it doesn't need Tom. And I'm a Tom guy. You know me with Tom. Mm -hmm. But they don't need Tom to be a sick rivalry. These two teams freaking hate each other. And I love it, and I can't wait to watch them play each other again on Monday night because I remember talking highly of that game when it happened. I remember calling it my favorite game of the week, you might remember. Mm -hmm. And now we got round two coming up, Monday night football. It's Monday night football for a reason, guys. I mean, they have a combined eight wins or nine wins, whatever it is, and it's still a, a compelling Monday night football game because of the rivalry, because of the playoff sure. potentially. So very much Absolutely. Frank, the college football playoff rankings came out on Tuesday night, yesterday night. Of course, there is a huge shakeup this week after there was a game within the top four teams playing against each other. And we had some movement around as a couple teams in the top 10 lost their games. It is number one, Georgia, number two, Michigan, number three, TCU, and number four, USC, to round out the college football playoff top four. And then number five, interestingly, is Ohio State. And number six, Alabama. So LSU lost. They're done. They have no chance if they beat Georgia – Georgia's probably out, and Bama will creep in. Georgia might make it as the four, but I also think Georgia's going to kill LSU. Georgia's in, I think, no matter what. It's a moot point. Maybe. I wrote down the percentages of each team's chance of making the playoff. Okay. So really quick, Ohio State bumps down to five because they lost to Michigan. Mm -hmm. USC jumps in after their win over Notre Dame. Okay, go ahead. Well, first of all, LSU, Clemson, and Oregon all lost. They were all within the top ten. Done. And they're gone. They're toasted. But interestingly, I wrote down the chances of each team making um, the the college football playoffs. They they had it on the screen. 
Georgia's had a 99.9% chance, almost 100% guarantee that they make the playoff. I think if they lose to LSU, they're still in no matter what. LSU's pro- – I mean, no, LSU's done no matter what, and nobody's going to jump Georgia. I mean, if they lose, they're not going to be one, but they're not going to fall out of the top four either. But it was interesting, these percentages. So Georgia's got a 99.9% chance. They're in. Michigan's got a 99% chance. They're saying basically they're in. Go down to TCU, they got a 92% chance of making it. So we got the top three, three teams out of four, basically we're saying is in, unless something weird like really traumatic happens here. But what's interesting about these percentages is number four TCU. Now this is where it gets a little kind of crazy to think about. USC only has a 20% chance of making the college football playoff. Ohio State, number five, 72% chance of making the college football playoff. And Alabama was in the 50s somewhere. So what I'm seeing statistically is that they're basically saying that there's going to be two Big Ten teams in the college football playoffs and that USC almost has no chance of staying here with 20%. Why? I don't know. I have no idea. Who, who does USC play in the Pac-12 championship? Because it's tomorrow night. I, I, yeah, I know. I, is it tomorrow or Friday? I thought it was tomorrow, but it could be Friday. I thought it was Friday, but it could be tomorrow. Yeah, like I don't know. Um, um, I don't know why, but I think the committee is going to take into consideration, yeah, Ohio State lost to Michigan. But Ohio State's team is fantastic. They have a team that could knock off um, Georgia. And you lost to the three. You lost to number three, Michigan. It's like, okay, that's not a huge upset, right? I mean, it is kind of, but eh, you lost to the three team. So we're still going to give you three-fourths of a chance to make the playoff. Who did they play? Did you find it? It's Utah Friday night. I agree with Skyler. He feels like the top three have to be in regardless. I agree. Georgia, Michigan, TCU are in no matter what. It's the fourth team that gets a little fishy. Friday, Utah. You did, so it was Friday. Yeah, you were right. It is Friday. Um, Michigan's going to kill Purdue. They're the only. They're the only champion not playing, or, or the only team playing a not ranked team in the championship. It's going to be very interesting as to why USC only has a twenty percent chance of making it. Almost makes it seem like there really is no chance for them making it. Because when you have five and sixth Alabama having a better chance of making it, something's just not right here. It's they just not think Utah is going to win. Is because Utah if USC good? wins, they have to make the playoff. <laughs> uh, um, an idol, if let me tell you something right now. If what an idol Ohio State and an idol Alabama make it over a Pac 12 champion? USC, I will be fucking livid. There's no way that they're banking on Utah winning that game. Like, if they're only giving, basically, what they're saying then is USC only has a twenty percent chance of beating Utah. That, I don't yeah. agree with that. If 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 they were to win, if they predict like. If you think they win and they're in, their percentage would be higher than 20%. Because there's no way the committee thinks that there's only 20% chance of making or winning this game. What's what's the line on it? What what is Utah even ranked? Utah's 10. 
Utah's 10. Skyler's right. If UFC wins and they don't make it, there's brand bias. They deserve to be in if they are 12 and 0. I think there's brand bias. If they're not in as a 12 and 0 conference champion, I'm done with college football until it expands. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't fucking understand how you can argue it. I don't understand. But how you why can would argue you only have a 20% I don't chance? Care. These percents that you're throwing at me, I believe you. I understand. I'm not discrediting your sources, what you pulled out, what your research. I'm telling you that I think it's bullshit. If they don't make it as a 12 and 0 conference champion, and not only are they going to be a 12 and 0 conference champion, they're going to be adding a win over number 10 Utah to their resume. Utah's great. The Utes are awesome. Well, Ohio State and Alabama are both idle. Yes. So how does Alabama get in? Why do they have a greater than 50% chance? The only way Alabama can get in, is my opinion, is if USC and TCU lose. Alabama and probably... TCU's out, you think? I, I believe if TCU loses, they'll put in Alabama. Yeah. If TCU and USC... Not over Ohio State. Ohio no, State would get the first If bit. TCU and Ohio... Or if TCU and... USC both lose their conference championship games. It'll be Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, which will just piss so many people off because we finally had an opportunity to get some new teams in there. USC is 11 and 1, Skyler said. They only lost to Utah. So they lost to Utah already in a close one. USC's 11 and 1? Yeah, USC's 11 and 1. He's right. If a 12 and 1, if a 12 and 1 conference champion, (laughs) Doesn't make it over a, an idle eleven and one Ohio State team or Michigan team. I don't care. I, I, it just makes the whole season pointless. It makes it all fucking pointless. I think there is Nobody, bias by the committee. There, there, there is, but like you can't make it that obvious. If they had equal resumes and you picked the name brand, then it's less obvious. It happened with Ohio State and Mich- and Penn State a couple years ago. They, they chose Ohio State even though they had the exact same resume. In those situations, the brand name's always going to win. But when there is a clear, obvious, more deserving team and they fuck that up, I will be livid and you will hear some mean things come out of my mouth on this podcast. Well, it should be an interesting show next week. Yeah, no, it's bullshit. Now, if UFC loses and TCU loses – and it's boring old Georgia and boring old Ohio State, boring old Bama and boring old Michigan. Whatever. Whatever. That's fine. That's probably what the fucking committee wants. <laughs> but I don't care. I don't want I'd, I'd rather watch Alabama than TCU. I'm not stupid. I'd rather watch that. The but committee I'm about, hates USC. I'm about what's fair, which is crazy. Wait, wait a minute. So Skyler says about name brands, USC. That is one of the name brands. Yeah, but it's not the name brand. It's like... that the now you sound like somebody who <laughs> and listen, there's nothing wrong with that. You're younger. But that sounds like a younger college football fan talking. USC is in. USC 10 years ago was one of the classes. They were in, I think it was the Rose Bowl every single year, no matter what. When the Pac-12 champion played against the Big Ten champion. In the, in the big game, on the Rose Bowl, I think it was, USC, Skyler, recency. Yeah, brand. but this is a different time now. Recency brand. Bias. It's a different it's era. Brand. We're in a different different time. Now, well, I don't believe let, in it. 
I don't you, believe in that. Let USC grow their brand back, especially since especially oh, he makes a good point. Clemson, who the H was Clemson 10 years ago. All of a sudden they go Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, Ugalele, back to back to back, three pretty good quarterbacks. Well, I don't they care what they did brand. 10 years ago. I care about what's happening now. Okay, what's happening now is USC is good again. And they're joining the Big Ten. They're joining the Big Ten. You have to help them grow their brand even more. You want them to be good in the Big Ten. You put them in the college football playoff if they're 12 and 1 with a college football net or with a Pac 12 championship and in the national championship or in the Pac 12 championship, they beat the one team they lost to. You guys are going to be disappointed next week. No shot. I'm an odds guy. I'll take the 80% chance that they miss. I'm a what's right guy. The mission, yeah, the final rankings. The are committee's gonna not going to be like, well, what's right? <laughs> I'm writing it down. The final mission, the final next week, Michigan is going to be one. That's wild. Georgia is going to be two. Three is going to be TCU is going to lose. TCU is going to lose, dude. Yeah. So we're going to put USC three. And then Ohio State is going to jump into four. Good. Write down my ranking, too. I read it. And then Michigan will play Ohio State in the first round of the playoff. Write, write down and my And then Georgia will play USC. Give me that. You're telling me the committee wouldn't want that? Are you kidding we got me? Georgia kidding? number one. Okay. Michigan two. TCU three. Ohio State four. Yep. No matter what? What? Like, even if USC wins? Yeah, I don't think USC is going to be in. Oh, see, mine is pending on TCU losing. If TCU wins, they're going to be in. Well, TCU, I think, is going to win. Yeah, if TCU wins, they're going to win. They're going to be in the college football playoff. And if USC wins and they're not, I'm done. (laughs) I'm done. How big of a favorite is Utah? They're not. They Okay, so then there is no reason why they should only have a 20% chance if the committee is banking on them winning the game. If anything, it would be in the 60s. Uh, if they think they're going to lose, it's like, all right, 60% chance they're going to make it because if they uh, if they win, we'll put them in. But 20%? Yeah, they think Utah's going to win, dude. They're, U, USC's minus two and a half. Uh, That's nothing. At home, exactly. So they exactly. don't think Utah's going to win? I think they do. They already beat know. them once. I know, yeah. and that's the problem. It's hard to beat that team twice in a I season. know, I know, but uh, if you if Utah beats USC and USC makes it, I'm not wrong. All I'm saying is USC is in if they win. They are, will be so far out, they probably won't even be in the top six. If they lose to Utah, if anything, Utah might jump all the way up mm-hmm. to like seven or six. Not in though. No, 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 no. It, it will be one of those six, four of those six. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, because I think Ohio, it's State, be Ohio State can't lose because they're idle. If Michigan stays too, and you and and Ohio State jumps to four, imagine if they both won and met in the championship, Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah, yeah, that'd be unbelievable. <laughs> I, I just, I think they would rank Michigan one and have them play against Ohio State. 
They could, maybe. Like, and I do think that matters too. Like Skyler talks about bias towards certain things. If USC wins and they don't make it, there will be a fucking riot. <laughs> there will be a fucking riot. I'm telling you right now, they're not that dumb. They're dumb. They're not that dumb. I don't know. You questioned me with Cincinnati last year. This brain has watched enough football over the last 10 years to know that if USC wins, they will make the college football playoff. There 20%. Is no, because they think Utah is going to win. If they if thought – If Utah wins, this will be a moot point. It, so why isn't it 40%? I, I don't know where these percentages came from. I don't know the math. They were on know. ESPN. I don't know. I don't, yeah, but I don't know where the math comes from, how they come to these conclusions. All I'm saying is if you have an 11 and 1 Pac 12 contender in the, going into the Pac 12 champion as the four and they win and you bump them out in favor of a team that's idle, he's going to riot. It just, I mean, that would just be stupid. I mean, no, that no, that that would. I'm rooting for USC to win. Just to that, see that. that would just legitimately piss me off. It would show me, it would show me that everything is rigged for the brands. It, like we'll it'll see. just make it'll just make it so much less fun to watch. We'll in see. My, it really will. I'm pulling for USC for this fact. So, me too. And then we'll watch the selection show on Sunday, and we'll know. Because I believe it's the final one's always on Sunday. Yeah. And so, so Skyler thinks the top four all win. They, that would mean they're the final four. And he says OSU probably has a higher percentage because the margin of error is less since USC already has one loss. That's true. We'll see. But Ohio State's not going to be a champion. Exactly. If, if TCU. If TCU loses, I still think they deserve to be in. And if USC loses, I still think they no. If USC deserves, if USC loses, then I think you can make an argument for Ohio State or Bama. But and it would have been LSU. See, if LSU would have won this weekend, this entire conversation would be changing because the outcome of the SEC title game would mean everything too. Mm-hmm. Because if LSU would have won, nothing. Well, if LSU, no matter what, if LSU kills Georgia, Georgia's they're not out of the top four. If they get killed, they could lose eighty-two to nothing. No shot. And they, I don't agree with that. No, I don't agree with that because I no, I truly don't agree with that. The committee's been bullish on the Bulldogs all season anyway. They bumped them out of number one after a week that they won by twenty. And they put Ohio State ahead of them. And then the following week, they were like, yeah, that's probably a bad idea. Let's put Georgia back at number one. Or no, they, it was a Tennessee. They had Tennessee at one for a hot minute. And then it was like, okay, we're the fucking Bulldogs. We're the defending national championship. Stenson Bennett, this dude isn't even in the Heisman Trophy consideration. That's another thing. They love when the Heisman Trophy candidates are in the playoff. And Buddy from USC is going to win it. I know, but the percentages don't add up. It doesn't make sense to me. I, the the percentages don't make sense to me. I me either, I'm, but there's something I'm fishy almost, going on. I'm almost ignoring them. I don't know. I, I, I think they're kind of BS. And again, not discrediting you. Happy you put in the research. Keep doing that. But I, I just can't get over the thought of 
them winning. They're they're four. Why are they four right now? What was the point of that? Because they're going for a conference championship and they've okay, only lost one time. Win it, and if they win it, why would they drop for in favor of a team that didn't play at all because they weren't good enough? <laughs> I don't know. So you you're laughing. It doesn't right there. make sense. You're laughing right there means you agree with me. I do. It doesn't make sense, but I agree with you. But I don't agree that that's what's going to happen. Well, the I final agree with you though that it out is pending TCU losing. If they all win, they're all in. Hot take. Yeah, he's got a hot take coming in. That means he'd rather see a two-loss USC in a playoff than one loss. Oh no, that's not a hot take. I agree. But it's not going to happen. If they lose, they're out for sure. I promise you. Yeah, but that's bullshit too, though. I that, promise you. I I no that I agree with you. I still think it's bullshit, though, because they were good enough to be in the Pac-12 championship. Ohio State was idle. They just just had an extra opportunity. They just had an extra opportunity. And if Michigan loses to Purdue, then... Then it's like Ohio State might be a guarantee. I know, but then you're Michigan. Why would Ohio State get in over you? Then I think both I, – I would X both Big Ten teams if that happened. No. Purdue, if Purdue beat Michigan, I'd throw Bama in the playoff over Ohio State. That would just Maybe be a, that's where the percentage comes from. But do you believe in like a, a cause and effect? So like Purdue beats Michigan who beat Ohio State. That makes Ohio State look worse that Michigan lost to Purdue. Yeah. I believe in that. So do I. They so take Bama would dump them. Who'd Bama lose to? They lost to Tennessee by what? One? Three. They lost to Tennessee by three in Georgia. By a lot, right? Georgia's better, I think. I do too. But that doesn't mean a Nick Saban coach team can't win any game at any time. I agree with Skyler too. Get rid of divisions of co- – oh, yeah, because they make no sense. Oh, I see what he's saying. Get rid of divisions within the conference. Let Michigan and Ohio State play each other in the conference. Yeah. Yeah. The reason that'll never happen is because you would get what would happen in rivalry week. Would you have Michigan play Ohio State in back to back weeks? Because 90% of seasons, they'd be one and two in the conference. Not every uh, conference has a division or more than one division. No. The top two teams should play each other. I don't. I, I don't know. I honestly think it's because of like in the Big Ten, you would almost have to not let Michigan play Ohio State in the regular season, unless they're not the top two teams. But what? How would you know when you make the schedule? Flex it. You flex the final week. You can't add games. Not adding games. You know you're going to be playing. It'll just be like predetermined. Like, we know there's games scheduled for, like, the Rose Bowl. We just don't know who's going to be playing in it. Like, we, we'll you schedule the game. Like, Michigan is, has a game scheduled that day, but your opponent's to, de- to be determined. Yeah, I just think doing that in the regular season is, like, Bush League. Well, they they flex games on for football, NFL. Yeah, but they but you already know who, you're play- yeah. know who you're playing. You know who you're playing. Yeah. I just think like Michigan and Ohio State, if they're playing each other, they they probably are never playing each other in the conference title game for that reason. And that's that's why Notre Dame gets boned every year too, because they're idle this week. If Notre Dame was twelve and zero right now and they were four, 
they would be idle this week, and a team who's five could be playing in a conference championship game. They could win and bump out Notre Dame. It happens yeah. all the time. Notre Dame is the happiest college in the country that they expanded because they're in forever. As long as they have two or less losses. I know this was a down year, new coach, early, bad start. But in most years, Notre Dame's just got an automatic bid because they'll be idle in the championship week and it won't matter. Yeah, you're right. So, I don't know. This shit pisses me off in so many ways, though. USC has to win. I, I need to see it in my life. I need it. Absolutely. You've been watching the World Cup? Yeah, the USA game I caught. It was pretty interesting. It was interesting. I watched the whole game. I watched the entire thing. Uh, Pulisic? Yep. Scored the goal. Christian Pulisic? Captain America. Captain America scored the goal for Team USA and got kicked in the nuts as he scored it. (laughs) And he missed the rest of the game with a groin contusion. So I think that means he just had swollen balls. He has bruise under the skin. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. But he plans on playing Saturday versus the Netherlands. Yep. I'm not afraid of the Dutch, are you? (sighs) They're big dogs, the USA. I know. I know. They're, you know the USA's never won the World Cup or have made it to the finals. No, and but they the fact that they tied England, uh, granted it was 0-0, but they defended well, clearly. Tying England was big for me. That was a big step. It's now, just, I wish they could have beaten Iran by more than one goal, and I wish they could have beaten uh, Wales uh-huh. instead of tying them. Because if they would have beat Wales and tied Germany, yesterday's game would have essentially not mattered. They'd be in. Yeah, and you know it's their team though. It's very hard to beat beat the Brazils or the Argentinas of the the tournament. Like those teams are just Argentina was on today, and you got Messi out there who had a penalty shot. The guy on Poland saved it. My jaw dropped. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to save a penalty shot, especially against Messi? Uh huh. And I mean, you have to guess right. You have to it's guess left like, or right. You yeah, guess. and and then and then once you guess right. You have to have enough skill to get your hand on the ball. And they're kicking pretty close. So you got to like, then it's fast. It's coming in fast. That's what I'm saying. So if you guess right, you still have more work to do. <laughs> the guy, the goalie for Poland, he saved two penalty shots in the World Cup this year so far. And the announcer, whoever was announcing the game, was like, he's only seen that like once before happen in the World Cup where a goalie's made two saves because it is so hard to make a save on a penalty shot. It is extremely hard. I'd, I'd go to say you have an 80 or 90% chance of scoring. Yeah, I would go 90. Like, and when you got Lionel, the goal. and when you got Lionel Messi taking it, yeah. I don't even know what happened. I, I got to look up the outcome of this game. Well, it was big. Mexico, who did Mexico play? Was it Argentina? It was Argentina. You know, if, if, uh, who was it? If I forgot who won, but if Argentina lost or even drew and, I think Saudi Arabia or something beat Mexico. Argentina would be out for the first time since like 1978. That's wild. But Argentina advanced. I don't know. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, I'd like to know because I watched Argentina play Mexico a little bit while at a restaurant. Argentina won two to nothing. Oh. It was zero zero after the first half. Yeah. Wow. That means they got two. And Saudi Arabia. Oh, Saudi Mexico beat Saudi Arabia two to one. So Argentina and Mexico advance. No, Argentina and Poland. Oh, Mexico's done? Yeah. I'm pretty sure, yeah. The Americans made it farther than the Mexicans. And. That's crazy. 
Uh, is our team our team good though? Like I thought the Mexican team was getting better again. And same thing with Team USA. I know all three North American countries made the World Cup for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. And you know, I didn't know this, but next or twenty twenty six, the United States, Mexico, and Canada are all sharing as the host countries for the World Cup. Yeah, the World Cup will I, be in the United States. I think I did know that, man. If they played one at Soldier Field, it makes me want to like go to a game. I would go to a game between two countries yeah. that I'm not cheering for. Because I assume there'll be like groups in America's group stages in Canada and group stages in Mexico. Yeah, you're a thousand percent right. I, and I would assume the candidates to host in the U.S. are like L.A., New York, and Chicago. Probably, yeah. I mean, shit, maybe me and you will have to find a way to go to a game. Now I would that we so bond go. The World Cup. Yeah, well, I'm happy we're bond. When I saw you tweeting about the World Cup, I was like, yes. <laughs> Someone to talk World Cup with. Let's it's, I'll be tuning in Saturday. Oh, me, track too. me too. I, I, I'm all in. And the fact that it's like around Christmas and they're kind of like theming the entire tournament around Christmas. Oh, it's good stuff. The only thing I do not like is that the World Cup championship in any games could be decided by penalty kicks. Yep. That's like That's deciding cool. the Stanley Cup in a shootout. Better than ties. But you don't tie, just continue to play. Yeah, I mean, games can um, go forever in that case. But the championship, you're deciding the World Cup on penalty kicks? Oh, I get it. I saw a tweet that resonated with me, though. I saw a tweet that said, every four years, Americans try to change soccer. Yeah. <laughs> and that made me laugh so hard because I don't watch a lick of soccer ever. And I follow a lot of people on Twitter that keep up with the Premier League. Got a couple fan-sided fellows that are real into the premier league. And I know there are a couple people across the other platforms too, that just love it. And they pick their team, whether it be real Madrid or Barcelona or, you know, um, who's the other big one. Argentina. Well, Argentina. I'm talking like the premier league club teams though. Oh, like man city. Oh, Manchester city, Manchester United. Exactly. Exactly. And like those types of teams, there are people all over that like cheer those teams. I kind of want to adopt one so that by every World Cup, I'm not a complete soccer loser. Because I'm watching the game trying to figure out what offsides is and what warrants a yellow well, I, card. I figured out offsides. Is it like I, when you're in I the never did. box? No. So offsides could take place at any point in the game. It could be, Offsides could take place in the offensive zone. It's when you kick the ball to pass it forward, right? You're, the player on your team, the furthest player on your team, has to be behind the defenders of the other team when the ball leaves his foot. Do you get what I'm saying? Kind of? Kind of. So when you kick the ball forward, the farthest guy back needs to be on your team? No. When you kick the ball forward, the guy that the furthest guy ahead of you on your team has to be behind the other defenders on the other team. Oh, as soon as you kick the ball, but so while the ball, huh? So you can't cherry pick. No, essentially. No. So if you kick no, the ball, no, I'm wrong. No, you can't cherry pick. Oh, You're okay. Right. Okay. So say USA is playing Argentina mm-hmm. and Pulisic kicks the ball forward, right? The, as soon as the ball leaves his foot, then you could start running past the defenders and cherry pick. But 
but you have to be behind the other defenders when the ball leaves his foot. Got it. I understand it. That's way harder to understand than offsides in hockey, but they exist for the same reason. Mm -hmm. They exist for the exact same reason. Offsides in soccer and offsides in hockey. They're just wildly different how they call them. There's no lines or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. I understand it now. I understand why I thought it was the box thing too. Because my guess is most of the time when it's called is when you're close to the net. Well, yeah. I mean, it is. Yeah. Because, like, like, how else would your guys be ahead of the defenders? Well, if they're breaking for the yeah. For the net. So I guess that makes sense why I thought it was. But you could lead the defender past the guys. If you kick it and the ball's rolling past the defenders, you could run past the defenders and get the ball because the ball left his foot. My guess is that takes incredible skill by the passer and incredible intuition by the receiver, though. Yeah. Which is why it's probably rare for that to happen. That's why breakaways don't happen like they do in hockey. Okay. Okay. They happen. Well, they happen in they happen in hockey because like you could just be bad at defending offsides in hockey. Where in soccer, you have so many players out there. Where like, I don't know. I saw this picture on Facebook yesterday. I'm gonna try and find it really quick. Um, it was this thing about soccer and it goes back to what I was saying about every four years, Americans try to. Yeah. But you would be pissed if the Stanley cup was decided in a shootout. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Of course I would. And that's kind of the same thing here. It's a shootout. No, I get it. I remember Italy won a game. I can't remember when it was. Italy didn't make it this year. I don't mind like, any of these games being decided by that, but the world cup, you're going to decide the championship. One of the prestigious prizes in soccer, you're going to decide off penalty kicks. If it's tied, that's just incredibly stupid. Yeah. And they won't even, they won't even go to that in these games right now. No, these, the, the ones, the group stages are just ties, but now we're to the knockout stage. Now they will, because there are no ties. Yeah. So every game going forward is, you win or you lose and you're out. If you lose, you're out. If you win, you're in. There are no ties. If the United States loses to the Netherlands, they're eliminated. They yeah. beat the Netherlands, Netherlands are eliminated. Damn. And they keep advancing then. So So how many teams are there left? Eight? Sixteen. Oh, there's sixteen left? Oh wow. More teams are in the beginning than I thought. I found this post. It said how to fix soccer. <laughs> Number one, the field is fucking huge. Shrink it. <laughs> Two, too many players on the field. Limit to three forwards, two defenders, and a goalie. Three, players should get to come in and out whenever they want. Don't stop the game. Number four, shrink the goal. Number five, ice everywhere. <laughs> that is, that, that's another thing, though. Um if you're substituted out of the game, you can't come back in. I know, I know. You can't make like a line change. Like no, there's no breaks. Once Which you're out, you're out. they might be the only athletes in the world with better overall endurance than hockey players. Yeah, because you got to grind, man. You're running up and down that field for sixty out of ninety minutes. I mean, that's just unbelievable. Absolutely. That's why they have so many players, though, because like. If you're a forward forward, you're not going to go back and play defense as much, you know? Yeah. 
because yeah, you always have defenders stay mid, back. Yep, attack, mid, and defender. Yeah. And, like, the mid guys are the best athletes because they do both. They're like uh-huh. – They like can go Messi. back and play D. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I don't know. I like the World Cup, though. I'm excited for Saturday. It should be a lot yep. of fun. Me too. Um, What else are you watching or playing this week? Playing, you know, I want to – I'm going to start – Got to get back into Lego Star Wars. I've taken a break from that, but it's a fantastic game, and I really want to get back into that. I also want to get, you know, the new COD, NHL. I know you need to get the new COD because you didn't get the COD. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, You're just talking about your video games there, pal. As far as, you know, what we're watching, we watched the first episode of Dahmer. So that was pretty good. I know you watched it. You watched the first Epidomer. Wasn't it intense? It was very intense. Oh, my God. It was very good. I also, we started, there's this, like, mini series. It's six episodes on Netflix called Keep Breathing. And they're, like, half-hour episodes. So, I mean, it's just a piece of cake to get through. We watched the first two episodes. That's pretty interesting, too. Um, And I also really need to... um, watch the guardians of the galaxy christmas special yep i agree and then by the time this time next week we, me and g will have finished game of thrones season three there you go that's exciting so i got a busy weekend lined up i'm going to the michigan versus wisconsin game i think not 100 percent set in stone but i think and you know, I'll be watching my typical sports, the World Cup, obviously the winter meetings for baseball start on Sunday night. So you might see Aaron Judge get signed next week, right? Like, you know, all this crazy stuff is going to start. The to Mariners. They'll be involved, I would assume. That would be insane. Um, I think – I honestly think it's going to come down to the Giants, the Mets, and the Yankees for Judge. That's just my personal opinion. It could happen next week, though, with these winter meetings coming. So I'll be needing everybody to tune into the Windy City and Southside Showdown in order to catch up on all this stuff. Um, Crosstown, Crosstalk tomorrow. Crosstalk, Crosstown next week, though, we'll have our boy Pitching Ninja, Rob Friedman. Very excited about that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Love Rob Friedman. Always on MLB Network, doing all sorts of great content on Twitter. Everybody likes baseball, follows Rob Friedman, the Pitching Ninja on Twitter. Um, so I highly recommend people check out the shows. We got a nice little shout out, you and I, along with a couple other people on Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls last night. That was a fun app. I enjoyed watching that. Um, it's good stuff. So I hope everybody tunes in. But that's mainly what I'm going to be doing this weekend. Got a couple parties, a couple birthday parties. Excited about that. Sunday, Bears, Packers. Be watching that for sure. Bucks, Saints, Monday night. That's going to be awesome. And then. The Netherlands versus the United States of America on Saturday. We'll be all in on that. I got the new NHL. I'll be playing that. The new Call of Duty is on the way, so we'll be playing that as well whenever it arrives. And so, yeah, I'm excited about it. But, Frank? Wait. Go ahead. Did you end up watching She-Hulk? No. Joey finished it? Did he tell you? No. Joey finished it and says – I knew he was almost done, though. He, he sent me a text, and he said, you know, this show is elite. It is, and I, and I and I tried telling you guys that how good it was, because I mean it it really ties in a bunch of stuff. And he finished it. He goes, that finale blew my mind. This show's elite. 
Shit. It is a fantastic. The finale connects to like everything that's going on. Well, with... the whole show connects, man. Okay. It, it's right. it's absolutely incredible. It's so underrated, and he agreed with me. Like it is just the fact that he called it elite. I was surprised. I didn't know how he would like it, but yeah, it's it's elite. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. I'm gonna have a busy month of December, but then some free time coming up after that. So. That'll be all on my radar. Plenty of stuff to keep us entertained in the coming weeks. But, Frank, it's time to get down to business. It is time for America's favorite podcast segment of the week, Breaking Bets. Welcome to Breaking Bets, America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Frank, the floor is yours. Kind of a weak slate for hockey games today. There's only four games. One really caught my eye, though. That game is between the Buffalo Sabres and the Detroit Red Wings. Detroit's been, you know, pretty hot lately. They lost their most recent game to Toronto. Buffalo's just stunk, but they're, they're you know, they're entertaining, competitive. They could be. Nedeljkovic is starting for the Red Wings. This dude is just terrible. He is the worst goalie of the three that have played for the Red Wings this year. The stats prove it. Buffalo gets it done tonight. Buffalo money line at plus 115. I love this spot for the Sabres, especially going against Nadelkovich. So Buffalo money line plus 115. Really like that spot here. 76ers travel to Cleveland to play the Cavaliers tonight. Both of these teams like to keep their opponents to the low 100-point total. They also don't score a ton, so I'm thinking instead of dabbling with the whole over-under for the game, I like the under for the first quarter. You don't know how these teams are going to come out firing. They play good defense. Over-under for the first quarter is 54.5, and that is minus 117, so I like the under 54.5 for the first quarter. I think this is a great spot against two really defensive teams. And then I thought I'd throw in a parlay there because there was a, a heavy favorite I liked, and there's another decently heavy favorite I like. And if you parlay the two, you get some good value. Bucks play the Knicks tonight. Bucks are just worlds better than the Knicks. I love the Bucks tonight. It's a great spot for the Bucks. I don't like. I've watched probably three Knicks games in the past week. I just don't like the way they're playing. I don't like the way they're playing. The Bucks are better. Giannis is healthy. Take the Bucks tonight at minus two foot fifteen, but parlay them with Duke Moneyline, who is home against Ohio State. is It is the ACC slash Big Ten challenge that is going on right now. I love when they do this challenge. I think the ACC is winning uh, right now. I don't know what the score is. It could be 5-3 to three maybe. Uh, you need eight wins, I think, to clinch the challenge. But I think Duke gets it done tonight against Ohio State. Duke's minus 240. But when you parlay both Duke's Moneyline and Bucks Moneyline, it equates to plus 109, so you're getting more than what you bet with. I really like that parlay, and those are my picks for you guys. Great picks, Frank. Just outstanding stuff. I'm in Wisconsin. Hopefully the Bucks are able to pull it off while I'm in town. Um, that's good stuff. Bet on the Devils every single game. There's value on them every single game. I mean, the fact that there yeah, was basically it looks a like it. Up, there was basically a pick them against the Rangers. Like, what are we doing here? I, I mean, no respect. That's fine. When they win a thousand games and win the cup, maybe they'll start getting some respect. But I mean, shit. Got the Nashville Predators on uh, Thursday, then the Philadelphia Flyers on Saturday. 
they go one and one in those two games, I'll be happy with the way the last stretch has gone. But I'm kind of expecting them to win both of those games. I hope they're able to win both of those games. And you'll be on a five-game heater before you know it if you do. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, make sure you read all the stuff on the New Jersey Devils um, on pucksandpitchforks.com. I actually wrote a New Jersey Devils piece for Puck Pros for the first time ever yesterday. Um, Normally, my New Jersey Devils content stays loyal to Pucks and Pitchforks, but I had to get one out on the Devils for Puck Pros just to kind of get my Devils voice on that website as well. And then Southside Showdown to Windy City for all Chicago-related things. You got Frankie Mueller doing all the video game stuff for App Trigger. Lots of uh, Ragnarok stuff coming out, I'm noticing. And some yep. Pokemon. I'm, I'm enjoying it all. So you're, you're doing great work. Make sure you read it at apptrigger.com. Um, Frank, do you have anything left for the people before we head on out of here? Just have fun. I like fun. Just have fun. That's our show. I hope everybody enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. We can't thank Drew Van Dries for coming on and talking um, Michigan hockey slash college hockey with us. Um, getting ready for Luke Hughes to come on over to the NHL at the end of the season. I mean, shit. The Devils are one of the best teams in the league, and they're just going to add Luke Hughes like nobody's business. It's going to be awesome. The whole league should be so scared of the Devils. I honestly think it's a joke. Like, Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer are still getting better, and they're already, like, the better than everyone on your favorite team, no matter who you cheer for. And Joey's talking all this, yep, 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 about the Bruins. All 30 teams in the league. All 30 teams in the league would rather have the Devils roster than the Bruins roster going forward. And that's really good to know that they have a top core that's being built right now. And I'm so excited about it. I'm talking mad shit. I don't care. I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of being that guy whose face is in everyone else's butts. And the New Jersey Devils are coming. I'm excited about it. Let's go Devils. Frank, great show outstanding content you brought the heat as always your take on ovechkin stinks and i can't (laughs) wait for it to be proven wrong everybody i hope you enjoy the rest of the day enjoy what is now officially the holiday season stay family stay hockey and as always thank you for listening I'm